Let's be honest, just because Series 2 is going to be on audio doesn't mean it'll be any good. <laughs> Some things not even Sophie Oliver can say. Welcome to you all. It's Big Damn Cast here on a new era of episodes. That's right. Uh, we're recasting um, for starters. You know, they started Scrubs once upon a time because that worked out so well for them in their, yeah, in their yeah, uh, yeah. final seasons. Um, yeah. um, so as as is such, uh, I am not Chris Johnson. I am uh, Rick Ray Scrodum McGee, the am, manliest hero of all. And I am Alden Ehrenreich. Would that it were so simple. <laughs> we are talking about a bunch of stuff this week. We got some movie news to cover up uh, straight and centre. We got Spawn to talk about X Men Apocalypse Leaks, boy. Um, we're also talking about Han Solo uh, and his first solo film ensemble film. Han Solo and his amazing friends. Yeah, oh God, if it was called that, maybe it would have sold more tickets. Um, yeah, and or maybe had it started marketing. At the right time. Um, it would have sold more tickets. Uh, I'm also going to be checking out some of your emails. First, I want to really quickly touch on some at, uh, it's quite immediate. It happened like the night before we recorded this week, but, um, what do you think about the whole Roseanne thing? Um, Roseanne Bond, star of sitcom Roseanne. She has repeatedly proven that she's kind of a garbage person. So, yeah. an incredibly racist, uh, tweet directed at, uh, was it Obama's previous head of, um, Former member of government. Yeah, she was former member of Obama's White House. Um, I think it was press secretary. She was the press so, secretary. Yeah, yeah. Um, she basically described her in a way that could best be summed up as either incredibly careless or um, proudly racist. Oh, proudly racist. Yeah, definitely yeah. proudly racist. Oh, oh no, don't no, because so many, so many Republicans are trying to defend her by saying that she was being like, oh, I was careless, it was flippant. She apologized, move on. And it's like, yeah, yeah, she, no, right. So she she makes this tweet. And within like two hours, ABC, the network that owns Roseanne and makes Roseanne, of course, an affiliate of Walt Disney Company, yeah, yeah. Uh, cancels her show and publicly announces that they're cancelling the show. Which I think they've because... been wanting to do for a while. Well, I think she's it's... not been doing herself any favours on the old social media. Oh, yeah, media. she's not. But that's the, that's been the conundrum. The show, it's, it's, it was a comeback series of the show that's been like 10 odd years since it finished or what have you. Um, and it was a season that was doing really well in the ratings. It was doing well politically with both sides of like the American um, sort of people because like the lead character is a Trump supporter, and that is a plot point in it. Mm. And you know, like some of the other characters are Democrats, and they disagree with the support, and and they have discussions about it in the show and things. Like that. And it's like, okay, right, this is interesting. And it's because in real life she's a Trump supporter, and she said she feels that there's an unfair balance. It's like, well, do you know what? In that case, fair enough, go for it. That's fine. Bring that to TV. But then outside of it, outside of the really good ratings and the great response that the show's been getting, she's been an absolute garbage fire of a human being. Yeah. And it has now come back to bite her because Disney have gone, we don't want to associate ourselves with this garbage fire racist human being. (laughs) So they make the correct call and swiftly cancel the show. It is massively unfortunate for the cast and crew who work on the show. And if ABC are swift enough, they will be able to commission... Or put together one, or, or fast track one of their other shows in development to be uh, to start work soon. Home improvement, in the hopes that <laughs> let's get another revival of a no. nice sitcom oh, with a yeah, garbage get, human and, being. And get another hell. garbage human being uh, with incredibly sort of loud Republican views that verge on the aggressive uh, uh, platform. 
and that's the thing obviously now it being cancelled you've got a lot of republican supporters going oh this is a disgrace because like you just wanted to silence the liberal media want to silencer and why why can't you like freaking cancel bill mayer's show because he wants to compare trump to an orangutan it's like can you not see can you really not see the difference between yeah. those two jokes yeah like fucking one of them's about a guy looking as orange as an orangutan's fur because of fake and, and, the, and the photo that they post of him is him doing that stupid weird pursed lips thing and an orangutan doing a whoo thing and it's like look he's even looking like well, ha 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 there is no racial fucking implication no. in that joke Bill Mayer can also be a bit of a garbage human being yeah uh, he can also be an incredibly sensible voice of reason from time to time but he's also one of those people who exists very much in that set there, on the fence of garbage and yeah. sensible. There are caveats in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all the same, his joke is not a fucking racist jab at someone. Whereas Roseanne Barr's, whether she wanted it to be a racist jab or not, but she, she used she a used a racist reference. And yeah. yeah. So Disney took swift action. The cast have all come out and be like, yeah, no, this is disgraceful and we completely agree with the decision. Um, but they need to fast track like a show so that the crew at least can work on something again soon. I, th- I think, well, here's the thing. There was no guarantee of further employment beyond one season, but because of the ratings, it was likely it was going to have yeah. more seasons. Um, so it's the whole thing of people weren't guaranteed to have jobs exactly, but it was clear that they probably were going to get more work from this, and now they're not. So, yeah. but good on them for making the call, man. Like genuinely, because ew, shut down garbage people. Ew. You were, yeah, you were. Let's talk about something more positive. Um. This is going to get you jumping for joy, Chris. Are you ready? Yeah. Something you've been waiting for for, ooh, 20-odd years. Mr. Hobby! (laughs) No? The the return of a beloved comic book character to the silver screen. Oh, my God, from 20 years ago? Yeah. Oh, God, so it could be anything. It could be anything. It could be... um... More than 20 years ago. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. So, all right, so we're talking like 90s. Oh, oh, are we finally going to get, like, a a gothic, you know, Burton-esque Batman again? Nope. Oh, oh, I know, I know. Uh, The Shadow. We're going to have another film for The Shadow, right? Nope. Um. Uh. Oh. Oh. Fuck the mask. The mask's coming back. Definitely not. It, well, who is it then? Jamie Fox <gasps> is playing the lead <gasps> in <gasps> Steel. Todd McFarlane's Spawn. Oh. <laughs> I'm only slightly annoyed that it wasn't oh, Steel. Oh um, man. Because maybe that's what the DCU oh. needs—a Steel like reboot. <laughs> um, yes. Um, but make him an elderly grandfather <laughs> like, yes. who's like I want to save people just like Superman give me so... that armor so Spawn's coming back yeah we were we were uh, sort of challenged to have a look at this topic by a good friend Charlie who said uh, looking forward to your boys take on this Spawn the creation of Tom McFarlane based on the comic book Spawn it was a movie in what 94 95 96 I think 97 98? I don't care. 99? I don't care. 2000? Definitely not 2000. Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century? Definitely not. That was the thing. Um, so, look it up. Um, yeah. Uh, is the world clamouring for a Spawn movie? No, Tom McFarlane is, though. So how many Spawn adaptations have we had, and how many Spawn adaptations, adaptations have we been promised? Tom McFarlane's going to direct this. Yes, it's not happening, then. <laughs> so we had, we had the 1990s Spawn film yeah. starring Michael J. White. Michael J. White, of course. Enough with the clown and um, um, and John Leguizamo. Was that line meant to be a sly reference to Spawn? Do you think? Who knows? In Dark Knight, probably. That's ten years Who old knows? this year. Oh, kill me now. Yeah, in July. No, ten years. I don't old. have to kill you now. Time's already doing it. Um, <laughs> it's doing it more slowly and embarrassingly. Slowly, inexorably, inexorably, inexorably. Um, <laughs> 
That's how you say that word. But the film's uh, not great. There's some fun stuff in there. John Leguizamo's having a blast playing oh, the violin. Oh, man, in, in the, the grossest fat suit. There's some wonderful prosthetics. Martin Sheen. And there's... Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Martin Sheen is the bad guy. There's some wonderful prosthetics. There is some fucking dreadful CGI. Oh, there is some awful CGI. Um, ultimately, it's a bit of a wet blanket because it doesn't go as far as those comics do. It's a bit shit. Uh, but at the same time, it does sort of tame some of the stuff in the comics that is like, what is the point? Spawn, why, why are you going this far? Spawn can't be tamed. <laughs> yeah, it can. Fucking the action figures, mate. They're like the cheesiest, like, Spawn! Oh, no. The superheroes! Spawn! They, they get they get weirder as the oh, lines go on. Oh, as McFarlane Toys takes all yeah, of it, especially, yeah. yeah. They get, you, you, you compare a Wave, uh, like a Wave 1 toy to a Wave 7 toy, and... Uh, they get fucked up! Yeah. I think I had a violator that was on like a, a, a gurney. Uh, I bought no, it like second hand somewhere. He had like a mask on. It's just him like in a straight jacket. Like, I used to have the whole series one set. My God. Does I that include it's... the little spawn that the cape clicks on and they've sort of got like that Kenner sort of posability? Yeah. 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 It was, all, it was all that kind of posability. It was original spawn with the. They were all busted up by the time I got rid of them because I didn't play with the shit. But um, it was the original, like the your vanilla spawn with the. The cloak, the, the the hard plastic cloak, yeah, which clip, which clip goes on, shoulders. and had like a soft rubber chain to keep it round his neck, <laughs> and then it it folded in, so it had like on hinges the two sides of it folded in to cover him up, so they snapped off immediately. <laughs> um, I had the medieval spawn with the oh, sword and shield. Oh yeah, um, yeah. The the clown, which was basically a brick with moving arms. Because it had that thing where if you turn his arm around, his clown head went inside the body. You know what like the Power Rangers? Yeah, I fucking love that. The clown head went inside the body and the Violator head came out. Oh, that's cool. And the Violator, who was like a big bendy guy. Oh, yeah, the Violator figure was a separate action. one. Yeah. Um, and Overt Kill, who was an enormous, thick cyborg guy yeah. with um, a parking meter I just, have, I just have flashbacks to that clip of that Stan yeah. Lee show where that's they, where, where that's they design where, a character that isn't him yet but it basically that's is That's where him. Overkill debuted who then Todd McFarlane reworked into Overt Kill for, um, for Spawn um, and also his, his head fired out <laughs> with like a block of machine like machinery underneath it as like his, so because he, he was a cyborg so his head mm. just came off and also Tremor who is this big looking ugly dude whose fist had fisting action. Beg your pardon? He had, he had spring-loaded fisting action. No, sorry, one more time, sorry, I don't quite... Spring-loaded fisting action, no, Christopher! I, no, no, I meant you said he was a big, ugly dude. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, that those toys were big and chunky, and uh, Avercule particularly, you could kill a man with. He was a big, he was a big fucker. But, um, yeah. Was he... Was there a later version of Overkill that was fucking massive and had like teal armour coming out of his arms and stuff and a little pea head and it was about sort of 12 inches tall and it was meant to be like the 6 inch scale but it was just huge the original and was unwieldy. pretty big. Let me find the original one. Did he have like gold chains and stuff dangling off of him? Um, Might maybe. be a different character I'm thinking of. but I'm going to find Overkill for you now. But yeah, carry on. Ooh. Spawn. Terrible. Too many adaptations of it. Mm. Uh, I was going to say there's an animated series at one point that was sort of praised. Then there was meant to be a live-action TV series, I believe, that McFarlane was involved in, that never happened. HBO picked it up at one point, like pre-production, because everyone was, yeah, that's him. Oh Christ, that's overt kill. Massive. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where a, a, a movie reboot, or originally a sequel, and then a reboot, 
I've been in the works for probably the last 20 don't, years. Don't call it a reboot. It's don't a call it a reboot! It's a reimagining. It's a retooling of your favourite character. It's a reimagining of Boots. Dora the Explorer. Here's, in cinemas, sorry, nice here's, oh, oh, they're making a Dora movie. They're making a Dora oh, movie. Yeah, She's older. Yeah, of course she is. Are they still going to have Swiper in it? Swiper, no swiping. not be fucking swiping. There'll probably be, there'll be a fucking Tinder joke. In yeah, there, you know, there's got to be a Tinder thing. joke. Um, so, um, my take on it is this. Jamie Foxx really wants to be in a good comic book movie. Yeah, he does. So he's signing on to as many good projects as possible in the hopes that they'll work out. And so far, they ain't. Jamie Foxx. You can do better than this. Please leave Jamie Foxx. that film now. You can do better than this. Um, but then again, who knows? That that star power behind it, that might be the thing the film needs to actually sort of fast track. Oh yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 2's Jamie Foxx. Ray and Django Unchained's Jamie Foxx. Uh, which came, which came, which of those came more recently? True. But. But. Next story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh mm. god, oh. That um, Spider-Man, he is my enemy. So when you say it like that, that sounds like really good 90s Spider-Man dialogue. <laughs> that Spider-Man! I'll do it skeletal style. That Spider-Man! He, he is my enemy! enemy. Issue 800 of Amazing Spider-Man came out today. Should you incompetent boobs! I love my boobs. I should probably <laughs> pick that up at some point. Um, well, look at that. A booby trap that actually catches boobies. Is that from Duke Nukem? No. That's from the Transformers cartoon. That makes me sad. That sounds, a, like, that sounds like dialogue from Duke Nukem forever. That's an actual line that Peter Cullen delivers in the Transformers cartoon. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, Speaking of garbage fires... X-Men Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Now, allegedly a garbage fire, because we haven't seen it and we don't know, but based and on the track record... We're not going to be seeing it anytime soon, because they put it back. Yeah, till... It's just down as TBC 2019 now. Uh-huh. As his New Mutants. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, Dark Phoenix was obviously meant to be coming out this October, if I remember correctly. Uh, so yeah, earlier in yeah, the yeah. year, it had some test screenings. It was pretty much shot and done. Yeah. Like, it was ready to go. I mean, we know that they shot the damn thing because they shot a freaking cameo for another movie during the production of it. And also, they were very, very vocal about it. Yeah. So, test screenings were going on in February. Uh, specifically uh, sort of in-house ones, but sometimes they invite members of the public and people who go to test screenings a lot to come in and give their opinion. Uh, it was an unfinished version. Obviously, certain visual effects aren't done. But some rumours started to swirl a couple months ago about things contained in it. One of the rumours was that the scrolls featured in it. Yeah. Which would confuse things, because the scrolls do exist... They do indeed exist in that weird legal in-betweeny space, mm-hmm. where they are owned by Fox, in terms of movies, because they're a Fantastic Four product. But by product. But also... Because they heavily feature within the Avengers, the Marvel Universe at large, they are also owned by Marvel Studios and Disney. Yeah. So, like, Quicksilver uh, and Scarlet Witch, I'm surprised Fox haven't leapt on that, really, but like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, they exist in that in-between world where both studios can use them if they like. Uh, That being said, someone's come forward this past week on Reddit to confirm that it's not the Skrulls, but a shape-changing alien... That wretched hide scum and villainy. That red shit hide of... Came on Reddit to. You can't confer- see the look I'm giving yeah. Christopher now, but it's full of you disgust. Can, you can feel it though. Ooh, coming there <laughs> tonight. Oh, Lord. oh, uh, oh, mince. Um, Terrible. Oh, mince. 
Um, someone's come on Reddit and I want Matt to read these bullet points in real time because this person came forward and is apparently, simply because they're sort of in the style of the Warner Brothers person who was like, I'm fucking hated working there, so I'm going to spoil Wonder Woman and, and, and Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad and the stuff they said about Suicide Squad turned out to be completely true and the stuff they said about Wonder Woman turned out to be not true. Oh, well, um, it was pretty fucking great. Yeah. I don't know, no, no, but like the rumours that they gave were, oh, it's not done well in the test screenings. Oh, yeah. And that might be true, but well, there was no evidence when it that came in the out. finished movie. So, yeah, um, yeah uh, someone's come forward with a similar kind of uh, beef with Fox, uh, and they put it in a Marvel Studios Reddit threads, so people can take a peek. <laughs> Basically, plot details for X Men: Dark Phoenix. Now, take this all with a pinch of salt. Take it with a like a you know those those bigger uh, bottles of salt you get with the flip top. <laughs> you can just pour it out. Yeah, and write your name with it. Yeah, take it with one of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then and then, and then um, put up tiny little traffic cones, telling slugs to stay away. Um, this this is this is what it says. This yeah, what it says. so I've read this. Matt has not seen this. This was brought to our attention on um, Twitter by uh, fan of a show. Uh, I want to get your name up, mate. So don't get it well, wrong. George White. George White sent this. I to assume he's a fan of the show. Otherwise, this is sabotage. So thanks for this, um, George. This is Matt reading these for the first time. I want to make sure that this is clear. I am talking about the cut of the movie I saw. Things could still get tweaked here and there, but I do believe some things won't change. What can't change is the movie being really underwhelming. Really lower your expectations because this one is not good. Oh no, a surprise. <laughs> Mystique dies. They repeat moments from X3, I kid you not. Nose punctuation, that terrible. I kid stuff, you right? not. I kid you not. I um, kid you not. They repeat the moment between Gene and Cyclops, take off the glasses and kiss me, I can control your eyes. We see Charles pick up Gene as a child again. Um, Gene almost kills Charles again by levitating him and dissolving him. Awesome. Because that's the thing she does now, apparently. Yeah, that's the thing Based on the X-Men movies. Um... Magneto does become an opposing force again and faces off with Charles' team. It's funny because before their fight begins and Charles is trying to talk to him out of it, Cornetto goes like, every time we do this, it's the same thing over and over again. Something along those lines. Like, no shit! Oh, God. Um, Any of these things surprise me so far? No, no. You then get a brief rundown of the film saying, X-Men are like Avengers status at the beginning of the film, which feels really unearned. Astronauts at risk of dying in space, literally the atmosphere, not space. Due to some cosmic waves. X-Men saves them, but Jean gets hit by waves. They return and she starts freaking out about her powers. Uh, movie begins with young Jean getting in a car crash with her two parents. At this point, after the rescue, we find out that her powers were responsible and she feels guilty for killing her mother. We find out that her dad is still alive, though, so she escapes the mansion, all emotional, to go find him. When Jean got hit by the cosmic rays, she sent the spaceship flying into space. And then somehow it fucking lands on an alien planet. The aliens look at the wreckage and go, fuck it, this means war. Let's go get the Phoenix Force. That's literally their whole motivation. Wow. Jean finds her dad and she gets pissed that Charles lied to her about her parents being dead. But Charles lied because her dad didn't want her anymore. When she finally realises all of this, she almost kills her dad. But the X-Men comes to save her. She's really edgy at this point. She kills Mystique by accident. Beast gets all mad because he loved her. Beast goes to find Magneto for help to defeat Jean. Oh, God. Fuck. Charles takes the rest of the team to get to Jean before the aliens and Beast slash uh, Magneto can. Movie is so boring. I'm sorry if this isn't the best description, but the movie ends with the CGI battle and it's not very exciting because the aliens look boring and have generic levitation powers. They do shapeshift into humans, but they look nothing like scrolls and the word scroll is never said. 
There is an alien invasion and Gene flies into space and gives Apollo powers to destroy the fleet. The end. Uh, he was then asked if there was a Quicksilver scene to which he said, Yes, it's when they are saving the astronauts. It's not set to music, though. When I said not set to music, I meant like Quicksilver himself isn't listening to music like in the previous two. Um, uh, and, of course, we've got the new suits that set photos revealed a while back. Um, yeah, we look like the uh, uh, new X-Men era. Yeah. Sort of um, big, big yellow X's across the chest and stuff like that. Uh, Meaning those costumes that were introduced at the end of Apocalypse were pointless. These costumes are completely gone. The ones from the set photos, simple back with the yellow forming X on the upper half. Yeah. Um, these costumes only get worn twice out of the entire movie as well. Third act is them in civilian clothing. Uh, the name of Jessica Chastain's character, uh, I really couldn't tell you because they don't ever say it. She's a generic alien. The cut I saw didn't establish the name of the species or characters. Yes, they are all grey, but it could have been due to the lack of CGI. The alien effects were not even close to being finished. Uh, the ending... Gene goes into space and finally gives in to Phoenix Force, and it was so cheesy. I'm not Gene, I'm Phoenix. She's talking to Scott through her mind powers as, she doing, as she's doing it. She gives it and explodes, and she wipes out all the fleet. The movie ends with the possibility of her still being out there. Uh, the leaker does make it clear again that this was just a rough cut. The cut I saw was really long and not finished, obvi. That's, a, that's a, the first time I've seen that contraction. <laughs> it's going to be shorter, I feel, because it is like way over two hours... Dazzler is in the movie making lights during a party scene. They're celebrating the team saving the day in the beginning. Genosha is like government sanctioned land to mutants. That's what the dialogue makes it out to be. Magneto leads the group of mutants who live peacefully there. It's really dramatic, which is fine, but a lot of the drama falls flat because of the script. TBH. She only becomes the phoenix at the end, and I kid you not, she wears the same reddish coat for most of the movie. When she flies into space, she just goes on fire with the same civilian coat. Like Fox is so scared about costumes. IDKY. Uh... Toad is not in it. Psylocke is not in it. Alright. Even though Psylocke is established at the end of the last one as sort of being a thing now. Not with the team, but like she's out there. Yeah, but we all know what Fox think about continuity. True. I mean, for fuck's sake, uh, timelines are already screwed up again with a throwaway gag from just a couple weeks ago. It doesn't exist! Uh, This sounds terrible. Yeah, it sounds awful. That's absolutely terrible. It sounds again like they've missed the point of also, why, like, the why are Fox so afraid of costumes? Because they are. They're just oh, I don't know. They're kind of been a damned if they do, damned if they don't situation. Because if they if they lean more into the Marvel style, then they're going to get accused of of aping the Marvel style. And if they lean further away from the Marvel style and they're doing it just to be contrarian, then they're just doing making bad decisions for the sake of being different. Which, as we've seen by what Warner Brothers have been doing with the DC movies isn't a good look. No. Doesn't do well for you. What would you rather it be? Yellow spandex? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes please. Yes, we would. That would be great. Yes, please. And some stuff I'm like, oh, Genosha. Great. Fucking introduce Genosha. Fantastic. Are you going to do anything interesting with it? Nope. Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh, but fuck. Like, we're actually going to be back to that thing where Magneto is an adversary and on opposing sides and stuff. We've not done that in a while. It's the classic... The classic chess game between them. We've not done that in five minutes. Oh, no. But I mean, like, the idea of him being flat out, like, the bad guy. Like, whether him be the big bad or not. Because even in Apocalypse, it was a help us, Eric, kind of thing. It was like, oh, for God's sake. And, you know, I think every... Yeah, he was only the villain. Magneto's only been the villain in X-Men and X3, The Last Stand. Yeah. He's always been a reluctant ally in the other movies. And it's like, well, just don't use him. Don't, don't bring him in. Don't tell any stories with him. Do something else. But I don't know. I just... 
I'm not Jean, I am the Phoenix! And then she explodes and takes out all the aliens, but then they suggest that maybe she's not dead. Who cares? (laughs) Who freaking cares? It's... Wow. Do you think this and New Mutants are going to go the way of Star Wars detours? Yeah, probably. In that they'll exist in their entirety somewhere. And never be released. They'll never be released, and... It'll always be that what, and eventually, probably in about twenty years' time, some producer will get the all clear to release them on like Blu-ray or something. It's like a here you go, guys. Here's here's a special edition release of the unfinished movies that we never got to put out. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, cause where where are they going? What are they doing? What's happened? I, I don't know. It's just eh. just pissing away a great franchise on. The same old boring ideas again and again and again and a complete reluctance to embrace what makes the source material great. Which is why they've all kind of been, uh, mm. more or less, the X-Men movies. Oh, the, you were talking about X-Men? Yeah. I thought you were giving a segue into Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh! <laughs> Uh, should we crack on? Yeah. Should we do it? Let's do this. I was going to talk a little about Pokemon Let's Go, but I'm not Oh, no, do you know what? No, 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 no. I would very much like to hear that, because I think, I think we're going to tuck into some weirdly meatless pie in a moment. So I would like to hear something joyous. I've recently reinstalled Pokemon Go on my phone. He has! We met up like an hour and a bit ago, and the first thing you did was flash your phone to me, you went, hey. I was like, oh my god, you Look, don't play that! And um, Go back to episode four of Big Damn Cast, you I, got over it really quickly. I don't think anyone's play. I don't think anyone plays Pokemon Go. It just exists. Um, I, I play it. <laughs> or does it play you? Um, I'm not sure why the so Doctor Evil thing was appropriate. We talked, we talked a couple of weeks back about the rumours that the, the upcoming... <laughs> back off. Uh, the upcoming Pokemon Switch game was going to... Um, connect with Pokemon Go and it was yeah. going to be based on Pokemon Yellow and there was going to be a Pikachu version and an Eevee version. Because nothing quite says yellow like yellow and beige. Mmm. Mmm. Tasty. This is true. This is all true, baby! Trailer came out today as of recording this um, and revealed Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee for the Nintendo Switch coming out in November. Or Let's uh, Go Pikachu! Or Let's Go Eevee! <laughs> Whatever the hell it is, Evie says. Let's go, Pingu. Um, And basically, it looks like it looks like they've taken. (laughs) Shut up! They've taken uh, Pokemon Yellow, remade it in the Pokemon in like an upgraded version of the Pokemon Sun and Moon engine. It looks pretty, Um, and you can now the catching mechanics. It look like they've they've transferred a version of the Pokemon Go catching mechanics into it mm-hmm. to the point where you can even get a Pokeball controller which has like a little analogue stick as, as, and then as an, the and an A and B an A and B buttons yeah. tucked up top and then you can use that to throw the Pokeball and also put Pokemon in it and take them out in the world with you for a walk like the Pokewalk of Heart Gold and Soul Silver yeah. um, and you can also to what extent it doesn't make clear but there's at least a place called the Go Park where you can import your Pokemon Go Pokemon into Pokemon Let's Go. 
how yes. how deep that connection is, I've no idea. We but, don't know entirely. It could um, it could just be that you can put them in there for stats. Yeah. Maybe you can trade them between games. We'll li- find out later. Literally, I guess. all we know is um, what's in the trailer. But if this is the modern version of the link cable, holy snap! I'm interested in this. Like this, I'm gonna, the switch and your mobile. I'm gonna hold off. Yeah, because get, I can't game... afford a switch. But also because we're gonna have to pull one at I'm some just point. Gonna, I'm just gonna see. I just want to see uh, what it's like when it comes out. I want to see the reactions to it because, because also this doesn't la- look to be a core Pokemon game. No, it's despite it's, it's it being a, it's a yellow a, remake. Yeah, which the, um, which because they've said that there's a core Pokemon game coming in 2019. Mm-hmm. So, but hey, maybe they're finally doing something interesting with Pokemon Go. Well, I think it, it's definitely the um, Pokemon. Uh, What's it? Nintendo, uh, not as opposed to Niantic, a Nintendo uh, equivalent of what Pokemon Go did for the world a couple of years ago. It's a Game Freak game. Which was hook folks like myself back into the franchise by going, hey, buy your Switch. I know it's big and complicated and shit now, but would you like something that's just based on the stuff you grew up with? Here's the first 151. You're fucking welcome. Oh, yeah. Welcome to that, Pokemon that was Go. Something that wasn't in, I don't think it was in the trailer. It's only the first 150 from Pokemon Go you can import into this one. Yeah, which I think makes sense. It's, but apparently there are new Pokemon in during, this. you know, that, that a, era. A, a, so. Rumours are it's set. It's a sequel to Yellow. So it's set in right. Kanto, but it's so years the way they later. Can, the way they can explain it away, then, is that the Kanto region is mostly populated by those Pokemon, yeah. then. Which, which yeah. you know, is fine. And it looks like there was a fucking encounter with Mewtwo in there, as well. Well, yeah, if it's... Yeah, that would make sense. Like, as, how did you get to Mewtwo in Red and Blue? Uh, when you beat the Elite Four, you go to the uh, Unknown Cave in just above Cerulean City, and where there's, like, level 60-odd yeah. wild Pokemon, and then Mewtwo is at the end of it. And he was, like, level 80 or something ridiculous like that. I don't know, I've got... And you I had one chance... I've one got, chance. I've got in. yellow on my 3DS, but I haven't, um, I haven't played that much of it, especially recently because it's packed away for the move at the moment. So, but I'll break once I once I move, I will break that out at some point next week. Crack it out. I'd love to play it on stream, but I don't have any way of capturing Nintendo DS stuff. Yeah, we could we can capture Game Boy stuff through the 64 and the Power Pack. Yeah, but I don't have a cartridge. But that's oh, well, well, I do, but I'd, I'd probably want to do it um, same, actually. And <laughs> where's my Game Boy? It's in here somewhere. Yeah, there it is. And um, <laughs> if I had a Game Boy, on the GBA as well. If I had a Game Boy Player for the GameCube, I could do it for the Game Boy Advance ones. But mm. I don't, so I can't. Oh, bay. Not sweet bay one. Sweet bay. Sweet bay. Sweet bay. Sweet baby Jesus. So, so like, but this when's it coming out? November. November. So this might be as a it'll be a big fucking hit at Christmas. Oh yeah. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if for Christmas Nintendo release a version of the Switch packaged with this and like the Pokeball. Oh yeah. The uh, po- the, the po- well, the, the and then I will fucking end up buying it in the January sales and then regret it when I have to pay my tax bill at the well, end of January. Well, listings have started appearing. In Japan for mm. a Switch without a dock. Okay. So a Switch that's just in portable mode. That okay. also doesn't come with a power charger because Nintendo got into the habit of selling DSs without chargers. So now yeah, they sell, so sell them separately. To, well, they yeah. sell them separately so you spend more money yeah, exactly. instead of becoming a standard. Um, so that might be in thing as well. Mm. But nearly... I'd, I'd, ra- I'd rather have the dock. Even if it's like just an extra 30, well, 40 quid, I'd rather have the dock in there most, because then you have the option. Most of the footage in the trailer has it play- has it being played in dockable mode because also mm. there's a two-player like drop-in, drop-out co-op where yeah. another player can just like, oh, shake the controller and they're a trainer and then I don't know whether they can bring their own Pokemon in or whatever, but anyway. Anyway, 
Let's. That's enough. Of, that's all we know about Pokemon. Let's go. And we're not a Pokemon podcast. I just like Pokemon. So let's talk about. It really does. The main. It really does, guys. The main thrust, if you will, oh, of this particular uh, podcast, the main Star Wars story oh. of this episode. <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah. Solo. Oh, a Star Wars film. Solo. Uh, tragedy in three acts. Um, do you do not like Solo a Star Wars story? Spoiler alert for the end of this non-spoiler portion of the review. I enjoyed it. I actually really liked it. I think I like it more than Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I actually I, really I, liked weirdly, it. Weirdly, I think Rogue One is a better made movie in terms uh, of the technical side of things. Yeah, I'll go with you on that. Definitely... Something that was really bugging me during the screening, and then I watched a Red Letter Media video the night after and was like, oh god, even they point it out as well. The cinematography for this was pretty fucking shocking yeah. in places. Um, but there was a lighter tone. It was very reminiscent of things like Firefly and like sort of the, it was the Western archetypes. It's the closest Star Wars has been to a space western since A New Hope. Yeah. It was a buddy movie, like it was very much about those two, and the ensemble, but those two yeah. ones. Once Chewie and Han got together, aside from a couple of forced lines of dialogue to make you all go, huh? Yeah. Uh, oh uh, yeah. And it said to me, go, uh. And it was actually way stuff, less of that than I thought it was going to be. There really was, yeah. Um, but aside from those moments, their chemistry was lovely. Mm. And it was like, ten minutes into Chewie and Han being in the film together, and my brain's going, yeah, that's Han Solo and Chewbacca. That's yeah. them. That is them. They look a bit different. Uh, one of them definitely does. Like, they sound a little different, but that's them. That's definitely I, them. I am amazed. I am amazed that this film has turned out as coherent Competent. and yeah. fun yeah. as it actually is. Like, it's actually, a, I think it's a really good time at this. I know it's been getting some shit, but I really enjoyed it. Hmm. I really had a good time with it. And I think it is a shame that it's it it's going to get sort of... Because in the age of the internet, it's going to be in top tens and it's going to get branded yeah, yeah. as like a failure or as a crap movie. And it's like, really isn't, but it should have come out at Christmas. I haven't... It should have come out at Christmas. It's, given not, people, it's not been doing as well as, given as people, expected at the box office. Well, that's then give people a year between them. Yeah. Make it so that it becomes like... Harry Potter... Lord of the Rings for three years, Paranormal Activity, Saw, these are movies that in the last couple decades became staples of a time of year. Yeah. And because of that, people really looked forward to them coming out. Lord of the Rings did it. Yeah, Lord of the Rings, I think, kicked off. It was a December movie. Yeah, and The Hobbit tried to do it as well. And well then, no one liked The Hobbit, so... Did it derail? Didn't they eventually... Didn't the third one come out in, like, a July instead? I'm not sure, because I'd stopped paying attention by that point. Yeah, I saw the third one on Netflix, like, a year and a half after it came I, out. I I only went, wow, saw, this is dull. I only saw the first one at the cinema, and then I mm. didn't bother with the other two until they came on Netflix. Yeah. By the time I finished watching number two, I was like, my three favourite sections of the book have been adapted. I have no reason to watch the third yeah. one. Yeah. Um, They've been adapted... <laughs> Poorly. <laughs> Riddles uh, in the Dark was pretty damn great from the first one. But again, it's in the first one. So once it's done, it's done. You're yeah, like, all right, moving okay, on. Well, that's, that's, that's um, so, Solo Star Wars Story is pretty fun. It is not remarkable. No. It is definitely going to sit in the middle of most people's like Star Wars preferences. It, it's, a, it's a pretty good, fun heist action movie it's got some if anything it's got more tropes of heist and, and crime films yeah. than it does 
Which is of, what you'd expect Star from, a, Wars. from a Han Solo movie, really. Uh, it is pleasant. It pleasantly holds back on a lot of Star Wars visual stuff that you would expect them to do just to get lazy sort of bonus points. There is there is one stormtroopers are in there. They're barely in shot. There is They're one rarely seen. There is one particularly egregious tie-in to the larger Star Wars mythos, which we'll talk about in spoilers. Yeah, we'll comes, cover spoilers. Which comes right the at the end of the film. fuck out of nowhere as well. Uh, yeah, it does come the fuck out of nowhere. comes right I, at the I, end of the film. I had to look up, because I'm not familiar with the entire history yeah. of that particular thing in the expanded canonical media we'll as it is. Spoilers. So I had a quick look and I was like, oh... It doesn't really fit in with that either, but yeah. obviously because they've got this team. Of oh, it does. Of, it does. Yeah. Oh, there's a period when it could happen. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like something that's been told in this context before. No, no, no. So it's like, huh. And it also makes me think, well, where are you going to go with that later if you're going to use that later? Because that thing has a definitive end in the expanded media yeah. that is not set not that long after this movie. Yeah. So it's like, you kind of need to be careful with what you're doing here. I think... Um, um, I'd watch another one of these. And also, they something to do with the casting of that memory really annoyed. But anyway... Um, I, I, I would yeah, probably I, watch another two of these, in fact. I don't know if I'd watch another Han Solo-led, but I'd certainly watch another... I'd would. certainly watch another prequel with him in the cast. Oh, yeah. Like, with an, ense- an ensemble piece well, with Han and Chewie. Kathleen Kennedy's been like, talking about they've got all sorts of things up in the air. They've been thinking about a, a solo Lando movie, but they're not sure about that. That might be a way to do um, it. You James Mangold's doing you do a, a Lando story. movie. You do a Lando story that's a bit more of a crime story. Because in this, obviously, Lando Carrizin's in it, but a lot of the situations that they're in are kind of dark, seedy. Can we just talk briefly about how fucking great Donald Glover is in this? Oh, he's great. Donald Glover is doing an impression... But See, not, I, in a, but not in a way that it felt like a party trick. Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's an impression as more as he's just got the feel of it down. Yeah, and the, because of that. Oh yeah, no, oh yeah, right. he's not wheeling out, he's not wheeling out, he a, certainly, a, he's not wheeling out a, a variety act yeah. thing. He certainly but, but sounds he, closer to um, Billy D. Billy D. Williams than Alden Ehrenreich does to Harrison Ford. Yeah, but it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like an impressionist. It, yeah. it just, no, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. got the character so down yeah. that it just feels natural. You might want to buggle up, baby. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he's so good at this. And he does steal every scene he's in. He does. He's pretty but great. Alden um, Ehrenreich puts on a hell of a show. Ehrenreich he's is, really good in this. Ehrenreich is great. I would. I'm still sceptical just because of all the stories we know and everything. I would love to see uh, how much of what made him work really well in this film was down to the editing and the reshoots. Yeah. Because based on all the rumours from the early production, he was really missing the mark. In a way that made uh, us us included when we first talked about it like a year and a half ago or whatever, go, why not just recast then? The the most, the the, the story behind that for most parts is the, the, the generally believed story is that the things he was having trouble with was all the improvisation. So him... And During the Lord and Miller period yeah. of the film's production. And, Did you and, notice at the end they were credited as executive producers? Yeah. It's like, well, well yeah, pa- you can't be directed by Ron Howard. And A big part of the problem was Lawrence Kasdan. Mm-hmm. Because he likes his scripts to be shot as they're written. So, which Lord and Miller were just so like... So Lord and Miller weren't the problem. Kathleen Kennedy was the problem by going, these things will work great together. Lawrence Kasdan recommended Lord and Miller. Oh. Because, maybe, he, hadn't, because he hadn't worked with them. Yeah, and also he'd worked with them on stuff that they'd either co-written yeah. or completely written. Like in terms of the stuff he'd seen. So they, it's they, like Lego movie they were the co-writers yeah. of and stuff. So and, it made... So yeah. they made... They, they Apparently they made a deal that they would always do one take of the scripted scene. Yeah. Before they did any improv stuff, which I think is completely, which I think is not a bad like 
um, compromise. Compromise. But yeah, I, that's, that sounds pretty straightforward. Because then it's like I, if, um, if in the flow the script and stuff works so much better and is tighter, then they can they can sort of bite their lip and go, yeah. "All right, fair enough." But there were rumours that a lot of the stuff that um, uh, was coming out of the Lord and Miller production was like a, a screwball comedy, almost Ace Ventura esque tone. Which That's I, really. Far I removed. just don't think that would have worked, and apparently that was what got Kathleen Kennedy to turn around and be like, "Yeah, this needs to not happen." Because here's the thing: the film, I think the film doesn't feel like the Han Solo film I, I kind of wanted to see. I don't know. I think it strikes like actually but, but a pretty it, nice balance. It, totally. It's definitely there. Yeah, but it's um, not quite. You know, like it. It, it, it was weird because it's like yeah, that character. You think, all right, so we're gonna have a smuggle. You know, we're gonna have a smuggling like a gun running kind of thing. It's gonna be you know lawless, like you know smugglers out in space. Maybe he's a bit inexperienced. We're gonna learn, you know, about how he uh, sort of. You know, cut his teeth properly on this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and instead, it was more a film of a of a hopeless young romantic who's who thinks himself a bit of a bad boy. And I, I kind of, I kind of like that which idea is, yeah, which for is, Han because which is it fine. And I think that there's an action that he he takes uh, in sort of the climactic scene of the movie before it wraps up that makes me go, okay, yeah, he's definitely a colder, kind of, you know, more harsh guy now. Like, he's, he's understanding that he has to be a bit more ruthless and, and you know, um, uh, detached to get through this life. Yeah. But all the same, I don't know, man. I just, I... Uh, I, uh, I, I, I dug the tone of it, but I think that's yeah. just because I... I am okay with the idea of, of Han kind of sort of always having been the good guy, but hiding behind the scoundrel thing as sort of a defense. Yeah, yeah. That, was a, that, I, that works I, quite nicely. It's just a shame that it, it almost makes him later on feel a little too... Because Han Han's always been goofy and a bit yeah. clumsy, but like uh, but pulls it off because he's got that swagger to him as well. Yeah. But this almost made him feel a bit too naive for me I, I don't know I, well, I, I get where is, you're coming from this but... is set around 8 to 10 years before New Hope yeah so you've got plenty of time for him to solve <laughs> young Han Solo know, right? slightly, slightly younger young. Han Solo <laughs> um, I think you've got a bit of time for him to sort of harden up and get a yeah. bit more cynical yeah giggity. which I think you see the start of in this yeah. in this film right? oh, by the, by he starts the off as an idealist and then he gets beaten down by stuff and then it takes Luke and Leia to sort of bring that back out in him again yeah uh, the Empire are a backdrop, and it works really well. Yeah. Because this film doesn't make a thing of these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. Yeah. It's just here's the really harsh kind of shitty government that are fucking ruling everybody. Yeah. Uh, you've either got to kind of go along with it or sign up or just avoid them entirely if you want an easy life. But forget all that. Let's do outlaw stuff. Yeah, like, but because <laughs> like the only tangles with the Empire they have is that this is obviously the stuff where they're trying to get into the you know transport like it's basically yeah. in it it's almost a parody of airport security uh, at the beginning yeah and then uh, they steal some like there's the big train heist which is stealing from an imperial transporter yeah that's it really for the empire yeah like not, that's its involvement they're not a huge presence you see more grey uniforms with little peak caps and badges than you do armours well, the although time... they find an excuse to chuck a stormtrooper variant in there well, as well it's the first time you've even seen even though you see four of them for about two minutes and then they all die it's, it's the... like oh bye it's the first time you've seen the <laughs> imperial infantry yes so the yeah. non-stormtrooper infantry yeah which implies I... that there are Star Wars happening hey, well, you also see, in the trenches you get a, a, and, yeah. you get a pretty great like frontline yeah. combat situation 
Um, Which again, like, um, I think Red Light Media touched on this, I liked it. They didn't make a thing of, look, it's that thing you remember, and look, yeah. just in the back of the shots, there's like, um, ATST dropping, ATST's in, and... dropping in, and they don't glorify it and do stings of music to make you go, oh, yeah. oh. because it's because it, of the tone of the scene, it's sort of like a, a horrific situation. It's the, yeah, it's the front it's, lines, what, it's a meat grinder. Where is it that uh, the, the Imperial weapons place is in Scarif? Scarif, yeah, yeah, in Rogue One, like in that one. It didn't feel gratuitous until the AT-ATs came out, and then you were like, yeah. "Why are they there?" Like, I understand it's a weapons thingy and everything, and, and a database, and the dev protection, but why have they got AT-ATs in the middle of the ocean? Like, that doesn't make any sense. They car- they were they cargo were- transports which are armed. Yeah, but, exa- but exactly, they were there to make us go, "Oh, it's those things." Yeah, remember. Yeah. Whereas in this, it felt more like, oh, "Of course, there's yeah. stuff going." It, it wasn't. It was. Yeah, it wasn't it there was for trailer moments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, like I said, stormtroopers. You barely see them in it, and they barely appear. Um, barely get... any droids of of a, of a yeah. familiar shape and size. There's yeah. a bunch of droids to, in, toward the end of Act Two, yeah. where you see some like there's like gonk droids a couple of times as yeah. well. So you see plenty stuff of, you recognise. Plenty of but no like. There's no like. Oh, there's a couple, that's, there's a that's couple alien in the background. There's a couple alien species that we've seen before popping yeah. up, uh, but it all it all feels organic and not forced it like it yeah. always feels like it's exploring a part of the Star Wars universe we've not really seen before yeah. and it's doing it with with less connection apart from obviously Han and, Han and Chewie mm. like Han and Chewie and Lando are all familiar characters but this is it's not doing like, there's a little bit here and there of foreshadowing of what's going to come later with them but it's not it's like off-handed comments and things like that. It's not... Yeah. Uh, what, one of them's a bit gross. Toward the end, it's like, maybe one day you will join this rebellion. It's like... Yeah. Uh, like, okay. <laughs> of course he freaking will. We know he does. Stop it. But I, um, again, none of, I, none of that was... of None of that was problematic enough for me to turn around and to, to spoil like the good time I was having with this hmm. movie. Like, it was just a good... Fun role. It was a fun heist movie. It was man. well performed. I, th- I really like all the cast. Even it, I know we were all worried about Amelia Clark, but I thought she was pretty damn good in this. Yeah, I thought like, she was pretty good. I, th- I, th- I think I think they could have given her a little bit more to do to yeah. flex her acting chops. Yeah. So she did come across a bit like you did good, kid. Whereas yeah. I, th- I think there was definitely maybe something more in there that we could have seen, but but I imagine yeah, we'll, she, she, yeah, I think we'll her, get her character if, was pretty. Was it Kira? Yeah, she was pretty good, and she did pretty good with it. And if they do another one of these. I can, I, I can see her getting a bit more to do. I feel were it a, a movie not aimed at being for kids as well as adults, yeah. they might have expanded a bit more on her story and the darker implications of it. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's just kind of like hinted in a way where you're not like, oh, I feel bad for you. You're like, no, no, tell us more. Like, what do you want? I, you, I, there was a moment where my, where my girlfriend leaned over in this and said, sex worker. She's definitely a sex worker. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Um, right, okay. Uh, trying to think of other things to touch on before we get Woody uh, Harrelson as Woody Harrelson, Beckett. Beckett's great. He's pretty great. Great. He's what you like, expected. He's kind. He was kind of. He's kind of like older, more jaded Mal from outlaw, Firefly. Yeah, outlaw gunslinger. Yeah, bit of a dick, but clearly, clearly a nice guy who's not necessarily happy to be in this line of work. Yeah, but he's going to get as much enjoyment out of it as he possibly can. Um, uh, Val, who was a really nice character Andy when she Newton. was in it. What is the name of the f- six-armed little dude? Oh, Rio. Voice by John Favreau. Rio's great. You know, ten minutes in, I was like, that's John Favreau. That's got to be John Favreau. And then only after the movie, on Wikipedia, it was like, it was fucking John Favreau! Yeah. Yay! Uh, this is the first movie um, where... He's great. Um, uh, Chewie's brilliant. Yeah, this is the first movie where... Uh, <gasps> My goodness. completely taken over by... What's his name? What's his name? Uh, Eunice... Junos Swatamo. Yeah, because uh, he, he, he filled in he, in he's Last done, Jedi. He's done bits in Force Awakens and Last Jedi yeah. because 
Peter Mayhew you know, can only do so much. He's getting old. His yeah. knees are fucked. Um, yeah. But this is the first movie where he's completely portrayed Chewbacca. And he did a great job. He's, and really he's great. Job. Yeah, he's great in this. Um, um, and, and uh, oh uh, God, what's the Phoebe, name? Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I, L3. I, I, mm, we'll get into the spoilers. I quite like L3. I like, I like her, I like her energy and I really liked her performance of yeah. the character in the same way that I liked the energy and performance given by Ahmed Best and Phantom Menace. In that I can't fault the performer for doing what they were asked. I because they were clearly doing very well. No, I don't think the character is like Jar Jar Binks, but there are some parallels which I'll get into in the spoilers. Paul Um, Bettany's Dryden Voss. Now he was great, and in a way that really perplexed me because he was an entirely the character was there from the beginning. Yeah, but his version of the character, K. Williams, yeah, uh, who was a a mo-capped character who was once described as part human, part lion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he wasn't available for the reshoots, and so Paul Bettany's casting and the complete reworking of the character is an addition of the reshoots. Yeah. So that in itself was like, oh, that could be dodgy. And I'll say this, I don't it's think the script the... grants the character many favours. I think Bettany brings it to life yeah, really like, well. I, I, I think it's great. He's, we only see him do something kind of scary once. But it's but enough. We, yeah, it, because of the way he presents himself we feel in danger whenever we're yeah. with him. Um, you know how Paul It might have been a bit job. more effective... Oh, go on. Um, he texts Ron Howard yeah. one night, like being, you ever lie awake at night and think, why am I not in a Star Wars movie? <laughs> what, is this after Ron Howard's announcement? Yeah, just joked then Ron Howard texts back. <laughs> Leave it with me. <laughs> so, he, so even if he wasn't recasting that part, he, he would have found a way to put Paul Bettany in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's great. Because <laughs> I'm, 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 guessing, I'm guessing Paul Bettany read that and was like, "Oh, brilliant!" Expected like a week later, I was like, yeah. "Right, okay." Like a Daniel Craig esque, yeah, like, come, in, da- come yeah. down to the voice studios like tomorrow. Yeah. You're going to voice this drone for three, drone for three lines. Come on in, it'll be great. Like he was obviously expecting something yeah. like that. I'll like come to set, we'll put some fucking makeup on you. You can be in the background, that'd be great. And instead, it's like come to set for several weeks. You're now the villain. <laughs> like, and it what? looks like Paul Bettany's having a fucking whale of a time yes. as well. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's nice to see Paul getting to to play out in that sort of. Another daft toy box where he gets to emote a bit more. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Just he was pretty up. great. Um, um, other stuff to mention before we go into spoilers. Uh, th- there are kind of two, not counting the opening, there are kind of like two big action set pieces. Yeah. Uh, one's the big train heist, which I think was fine. I, I think, think I think, good, yeah. I think the editing ruined it a bit for me. I felt like it could have been... A little choppy. Yeah, it yeah. could have been sharper. You could yeah. have taken a good two minutes out of it and it would have sort of flowed a little nicer. But it's pretty exciting. Um, it's the Kessel Mines um, set piece, the, the, like, the yeah. 10, 15 minutes there, even before they fly off. That stuff's great. Yeah. And then when they fly off, it's pretty visually inventive as well. Yeah, I think the, the whole... Well, I don't think it's much of a spot to say that like the main thrust of this film is the infamous Kessel Run. Yeah. Um... And yeah, it's pretty fucking great. Yeah, they find a way to make something that, when you think about it, isn't actually that impressive. It just sounds impressive. Look really impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, we made the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Oh, big fucking what? Uh, and they set up in the thing that it takes 20, it's like 20, because parsecs, parsecs, parsecs a measurement yeah. of distance. So 20, it's, a, it's 20 parsecs yeah. is the only way to get to Kessel because you've got to go through like this maelstrom of planets and stuff. The, the safest route is just the straight route. You've got to it's go 20 parsecs. The they war. need to, they need yeah. to travel a shorter distance for the sake of their cargo. 
so it doesn't explode. Yeah, they need to get there quicker, so they need to travel a shorter distance. Yeah, so what through... they, what they were going to do was they sort of tweet that they sort of aim to go as much the way as possible and then figure it out, don't they? Yeah. But then they get diverted, so they take a drastic shortcut into the fucking unknown, um, and it's pretty freaking inventive and creepy and. <laughs> was my favourite bit. Yeah, the, if you the, saw it, that noise will make the, sense because that was just horrific. The more, uh, the more has been mentioned in another Star Wars media and it's basically this enormous sort of mm. cluster of black holes and nebula yeah. and all sorts of cosmic phenomena and on and on. And, on. Yeah, um, um, and so you get to see some really cool stuff. The way they make it work works really well and it means that his brag in the original Star Wars isn't as daft as it sounds when you actually dissect it because you're no. like what he's saying is we took a shortcut through the f- most fucking dangerous part of space yeah. ever and it was pretty great although although did the, did the Millennium Falcon make the castle run in less than 12 months well that's my favourite thing technically that's my favourite thing as well because they, they sort of tweak it it makes um, he says 12 parsecs and Chewie sort of goes like Rrr, and he says well does he round it down <laughs> which means that they're even lying in the original movie <laughs> which is totally, less than 12 parsecs which is, <laughs> no, it wasn't but which is totally a hand thing to do which that, so it, I it appreciated works. that a lot because yeah. it retroactively made that brag yeah. even more of a brag because he's fibbing a bit to make it sound more impressive yeah so that was cool um, um, I think it's a lot of fun I think it is a nice solid if I was to rate rate it I think it's a nice solid three star movie I have like a it's feeling it's a really solid fun time I have a feeling that this is going to go down really well with the people who didn't like The Last Jedi because it was too divorced yeah, from the right Star Wars because war. based on the box office so far it looks like a lot of those people just haven't gone yeah and it's like I mean I didn't enjoy Last Jedi I really did not enjoy Last Jedi I had a great time with Solo I had a lot of fun and it's 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 kind of made me go, you know what? Keep these individual stories coming. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I watched another although, one of these. No problem. Although, like, again, society red letter media focus on characters we don't know. Like, let's yeah. meet. Obviously, it's earlier on in this venture for them to take yeah. too early on to take those risks. But we've had a, a film with characters we never met before about an event we'd heard about, and that worked. We've now had a film about a character we know. We know that the next one is a James Mangold directed Boba Fett movie. I don't think that's that's the next I don't one. Want but that. it's we're not touching that because it came like between episode recordings. I know they said it's I... happening. I didn't. They said they confirmed it's the next. It's it's Star the, Wars it's story? the next Star Wars story that they're uh, working on. Is all oh, they okay. said. So that could right. be that it's the next one to come out, or it could be that they've already got another one that they've not told us about yet, and mm. this is the next. But I don't really want that as much as I'd love. To, I want to see James Mangold play in the sandbox. I don't want a movie about Boba Fett. I think I couldn't I th- give a shit about Boba Fett. I love Boba Fett, as as every sort of Star Wars fan does in that weird way that is completely hard to explain. But I don't want a movie about. Him. I think we'll get there. I think I do think we'll get there. Give me a Bosk movie. <laughs> I'm only partially joking there. Uh, uh, Bosk, yeah, yeah t- minus spoiler. Bosk gets a shout out in this probably, film, yeah, which made a, me smile. Yeah, there's a lot of all of like the sort of fan service wider connective stuff is like odd shout outs here and there but because it's they're in dialogue stuff, and they're situational yeah. it feels I mean Scarif gets a mention it feels so Rogue Rogue gets, Rogue a Rogue gets a shout out um, there's um, some really like fucking deep obscure cuts. deep oh, cuts God, what are they well. call the stormtroopers who are basically killed uh, Rosencrats and uh, Tag and Bink uh, apparently, Bink. They I, I don't, apparently I, they're in it but I, I don't think they got a shot like, I, I don't, I don't yeah. think they got like a glory moment it could be that they were in the the trenches or something. I would know. I've, I've read Tag and Bink are dead, but I didn't recognise because because um, they're from the old mythology. 
They're from Legends, yeah. Yeah, but the implication is that they've been they've been hiding them in the new stuff for people who are looking out. Well, this for this because apparently the two the two stormtroopers who uh, hear Kylo's tantrum in Force Awakens tagging... it's meant to be elderly tag and bink which I think is quite a fun little idea um, it's like why else would you have a comedy stormtrooper moment unless of course it was two comedy stormtroopers I yeah I had that idea cool. and they're apparently in it one of them's played by John Kasdan okay. and the other one's played by like the exec producer but, um, I and mean they're, they're just in a scene I think, I think they're in the trenches okay. I think they're just we'll, two soldiers we'll, we'll, we'll find out when it comes out on DVD but that's, that, that stuff's nice because um, it's just if you lo- if you watch the credits you go oh fuck <laughs> but, like that stuff's how you do fan service it's just subtle and weird and makes yeah. people smile and um, I th- yeah I think it was it was with the with the exception of the the, the big wham moment towards the end of the movie which we'll talk about in a minute I think it was mostly restrained yeah. Certainly more restrained than uh, Rogue One. Yes, yeah. Um, I think Ro- I think Rogue One is a better made movie as a on a technical piece. level. Yeah. yeah, and I think Rogue One has. Oh, no, I think Rogue One's probably got more bang for its buck in terms of memorable visuals. But this is way more fun. But this is fun. You just yeah. have a better time. This is this. fun, and unlike Rogue One, where they almost seemed frightened to get to let you get to know the characters because they knew what they were going to do with them yeah this film doesn't have that problem because two of them you know the rest of them they want you to like and just enjoy the ride the falcon has never looked sexier and i'm referring to both in its clean like box fresh state and how it looks at the end of the movie oh yeah um the skateboard thing was a nice little kind of joke uh for nerds who fucking love like all the theories on why the Falcon's shaped the way it yeah. is. Uh, although it means that a line in New Hope now doesn't make any sense. So like, uh, the escape pods were jettisoned moments before, perhaps they got away. No, it's... that's that's about the blockade runner. I thought it was about um, Falcon at the beginning of Star Wars. When the, when the soldiers first search it, they can't find anybody. I don't know. Um, I don't think you see him jettison anything from the Falcon. I don't know. They, they make comments that the, 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 things have been jettisoned, maybe that they got away before we tracked them in or something okay. like that. And it's like, but apparently there's only one escape pod on this thing. Or and apparently, there was an escape pod on this thing. But apparently that was also an aftermarket mod. Yes. Oh, yeah? Oh, Christ. Never mind. So, um, it doesn't matter. Spoilers! Spoilers! Spoiler, spoilers! We're going to get into Solo spoilers. Solo, a Star Wars, a Star Um Let's kick off. So when... Um, so when uh, Dexter Jetster rocked up. Dexter Jetster. With Jar Jar. Dark Lord of the Sith, Dexter Jetster. <laughs> oh god, and Boss Nass. And they all just hung out around a picnic table. Fucking Darth Maul, eh? I hated that. I don't as, as a fan it. As a fan of cinema and actors and stuff, I enjoyed it because I was like, that's Ray Park. Yeah. That is straight up Ray Park. Oh yeah. Holy fuck, dude. How how amazed how happy you must feel now, probably having to have kept that quiet for months. Well he was at the premiere. So I think a few people were going What are you doing here? Really, well they've done that they've done that a few times, haven't they, where they've invited yeah. actors from the franchise that aren't in that thing, but like, cause they, like but apparently they do that on purpose. Like Frank Oz, for example, was at the Force Awakens premiere. Yeah. So then when he showed up at the Last Jedi premiere, no one questioned it. Because they were just like, oh, they're inviting all the guys back. That's cool. Because I think Harrison Ford was was invited to the Last Jedi premiere and was yeah, filming yeah. something and stuff. But it's so the whole thing of, oh, right. Little did we know, of course, Yoda was in fucking Last Jedi. So it's like, there we go. Um, so Ray Park, maybe they slipped the ball over that one. They're like, oh, fuck. However, as happy as I am for... I can't remember the, the actor's name. As happy as I am for the guy who voiced him in Clone Wars and Rebels... Sam Witwer. Sam Witwer being the voice of him. Why wasn't it pretty... Why wasn't Sarah Finowich? Why has it never you know been Sarah Finowich after episode one? Because, because for the last decade... 
Yeah. Kids who've grown up watching Clone Wars and Rebels have known mm. him as Sam Witwer, so they just go with Sam Witwer. But also he's cheaper. He also sounds different. But I, he has one line in Phantom Menace. Like, I don't think... How dare you? At last we reveal ourselves yeah. to Jedi. Like, he doesn't, sound, he doesn't sound different enough to go, oh, no. to go like, oh no, that's a completely different guy. Because also, he's Sorry. been cut in half. I'm thinking of the Jewel of the Fates thing. Um, the, I, I the think montage like that is that's a tiny nitpick. That it is a tiny I can't nitpick. Get behind. I'm sorry. It I can't is a tiny come nitpick. With you on this journey. But here's my here's my beef there. Okay, what's if Maul is going to have more lines, yeah, give them to Ray Park. Yeah, I get that. I get that. The only reason he was dubbed in the first one is because George said in somewhere in one of behind the scenes things. George Lucas said he wanted Maul. He wanted his voice to feel like it did not come from that body. Like, because mm-hmm. Ray Park is not a tall guy. He's like six. It's six. Well, fuck. He's like five four, five five. Okay. He's quite a short guy. He wanted the voice to come from him to physically not match his presence because he wanted it to feel like scary yeah. and different. But we've heard Ray Park speak in other stuff. He could definitely do a mall voice quite easily. The older he's got, I'm sure the gravelly of his voice has got as well. He could probably do that quite easily. Don't know. Although Don't know. it was cool to see him because it was like, oh wow, that is definitely Ray Park, and they're not hiding the fact that he's older. Like they no, did, yeah. it wasn't a CGI mocap version or anything. No. It was just Ray Park in the fucking mall makeup, holding his lightsaber that he has in Rebels, like the with the sort of yeah. curved thing on the edge with his robot legs. With his robot legs, yeah. Um, Robert. T. Although the, the lightsaber, the lightsaber moment was so fucking gratuitous. It, yeah, it was just like I was like, why are you? They, they only they only did that because they wanted people who probably were like wait hang on do I recognise him to go oh it's that oh guy. yeah totally totally but those people would then go but wasn't he cut in half totally but then you know what happens then they go to Wikipedia and they look yeah. it up well, and, then they, the go, and then they buy Clone Wars on Blu-ray in terms and of then his, they buy Rebels on in Blu-ray in terms of his history this fits in the space between Clone Wars and Rebels yeah so we apparently know during that period the last we saw of him in Clone Wars was the Emperor because God, what's his fucking what's his brother's name? He's got the dumbest fucking it's Savage Opress. Savage Opress. It's spelled Savage Opress, but yeah. it's pronounced like Savage Opress. It's Savage Opress. It is. It's fucking stupid. It's great. The Emperor attacks them both. Like this is in the Clone Wars, so it's toward Clone Wars is set between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. So sometime before Revenge of the Sith, Savage is killed, and Maul is taken by the Emperor who basically says, like, I'm not going to kill you, I have plans for you. Yeah. Then the Dark Horse comics, which are now non-canonical, surmise that before it even happens, Maul escapes. Son of Dathomir is still canonical, because Marvel republished that. Yeah, some of the stuff, some of the stuff's, so. like, rejigging it since, but the implication yeah. is that he escaped the Emperor, joins up with a bunch of crime syndicates, Yeah. and then they then do some shit, which the comics have yet to elaborate on in the new canon. Yeah. yeah. But that's what happens. And that's where we find him. Now it turns out, this film's confirming he's involved in something called the Crimson Dawn. Yeah. So it's like, okay, fair enough. But the way I I was going to... Throughout the film, they kept going, oh, no, like, you don't understand what the Crimson Dawn can do. I was like, unless they're going to reveal the head of the organisation or the the head of the organisation is going to be in the film toward the end, this is sequel bait. I just had that again, feeling throughout the movie, again. and then when that moment happened, it was like, "This is sequel bait." When, the, when, 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 why, my, guys? As soon as my girlfriend saw the tattoo, she leaned over to me and said, "It's Darth Maul." And I'm like, "Really? How? How did you do that? How do you? How? Yeah, how? How do you even get there?" But she was right, and I know she's got. She's uncanny. She's Keisha is uncanny at putting things in films, and I don't know how she is. She does uncanny. It. Is she giant-sized issue number She's one? She's giant-sized issue number one. 
actually essential. Yeah, definitely essential. Um, no, uh, but no, yeah, that would be a fucking good spot. But it, but it was sequel bait, and that's kind of upsetting in a way, because I'm like, it's called Solo: A Star Wars Story, not Solo Part One. I think it depends. A Star Wars trilogy. How they follow up on it, because I think. Well, I've seen it's some like, people speculate that the supposed Obi-Wan movie, which could be the one in between, um, that they've just not confessed is happening yet. Yeah. Um, the Obi-Wan movie could tie into this, but if that's the case, they run risk of either really disappointing audiences of that movie if they bring Maul into it and it doesn't end in a final battle. Yeah. Because now in the new canon, that has happened and it happens in Rebels. Yeah, in Rebels. Which, which is they about... will maintain unless they don't and yeah. then that fucks up all the work they've done. Um, which would be really silly. Yeah, and here's the thing. No matter about no matter about you, you guys who have like the department specifically keeping the, the canon. Star Wars story group. Yeah. Fuck them. If a director goes, no, this is what I want, then they're going to have to just accept it. Because Kathleen Kennedy and Co are probably going to go, you yeah, know, that's, if that's what they want. I don't know, do they've it. got no problem firing directors. That's true, but we'll see. But but as an audience member, you would kind of feel cheated if the movie ended with them having like a duel or whatever, and then Maul's like, I'll get you next time, Kenobi, and disappears. You'd be like, what? Watch Rebels! It wouldn't feel, it wouldn't feel complete as yeah, a story. I know what you mean. So it's, it's like, if you could have Maul in it, have him in it in a way... But don't have him be like the final. Don't have him be the main no. villain. Don't I have think him be like a final. Antagonist. I think if we're gonna get a sequel to this, it's more likely to be an ensemble piece, sort of set in the crime. I think we might get like a subset of movies set in this sort of murky crime syndicate part. I mean, of Star maybe Wars that's universe. what maybe that's what the Ryan Johnson trilogy is yeah, gonna maybe. be. Um, yeah. Who knows? Like, I don't know. All I know is it happened, and Lucy and I just both looked at each other and went, "Ugh." Well, <laughs> like we didn't go, "Yay!" We went, "Ugh." <laughs> anyone, anyone who's following Star, who's who's, big, who's up on Star Wars canon, knows that about three or four years after this movie takes place, Obi Wan Kenobi finally kills Darth Maul for good on Tatooine. Yes, because basically that happens. All the crime syndicate stuff eventually fucking folds in and collapses. Yeah, and Maul ends up in exile on his home planet, just crawling around in robes, and that's when his story ties into Rebels, yeah. isn't it? Because um. Uh, what's his name? He, 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 what's the main guy in Rebels? He like influences Ezra for a little Ezra, bit. Ezra, yeah. So like, so like, we we know that he has to fall from grace, and maybe these films can tell that. Yeah. Um, but don't make him a focal point. Make him just be part of it. And uh, I mean, at the same time, I do also appreciate their effort to acknowledge now that we're that far in that the prequels are a thing. Yeah. Like, yes, they exist. Because um, there's the suggestions of the prequels in the last couple of films now, isn't there? Where they've gone like, yeah, they were a thing. Just accept it. Um, like, for example, Rogue One. Like, Rogue One um, has... Uh, what's his name? Thingy Orga- ba- Bail Organa Bail Organa, in it. Yeah. Um, it has the Mon Mothma, who, yeah, admittedly her scenes were like on the DVD, deleted mm. scenes, but it has the Mon Mothma from episode three. Um, and also it has, without saying it on screen, but I think it's been confirmed since Mustafar's in it. Like, it's where Vader's temple is in, in Rogue One. No, they do. I, think they, I think it gets a caption. No, I think it just says, um, like, Castle Vader or something like that, but it's, because there was the speculation of, like, is that Mustafar? Is that? And then later on down the line, they've gone, yeah. In fact, I think it might have been the Darth Vader comic that they confirmed that. That he's got a castle sure on Mustafar. The idea being that the Emperor's gone, like, here, I've given you a castle. Oh, thank you. That's really nice. 
Why is it on the planet where I was hacked yeah. to pieces? Because I want you to think of that day forever and always. Because anyway. I'm a shit. Um, You've got to accept it. I've done the drapes. Um, I paid for the drapes, Vader. Terrible, terrible. I paid for the drapes. I got a man in. You, paid for the I'm drapes. not going to get my deposit back for this. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I guess that either Kira or Beckett were going to die. Yeah, I and I'm kind of glad that it I'm wasn't kind of Kira. Be, yeah, I'm kind of glad because that would have been so overplayed and overdone. Yeah. Oh, the girlfriend slash love interest dies, and that spurns him up. No, I'm looking at you, Deadpool two. Nineties <laughs> Green Lantern comics. I don't care <clears throat> if you bring her back in the post credits. I don't care if that's canon. You should have done it in the fucking first place. Should have done it in the film. That's just lazy writing. Should have done it in the film. For fuck's sake. Um. Oh, Deadpool could have done it in the film. There's only enough juice in here to go backwards once. Right, give it here. Yeah. And he does it. And then he goes back to fucking like 20 years ago and spends the next 20 years correcting continuity. Then saves Vanessa and then locks himself in a fridge or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could have gotten away with that and the ending be that he time travelled and then fucking waited his time out because this human factor would stop him from aging anyway. I'm sorry, yeah. Christopher, but that sounds terrible. That doesn't it? sounds great. It sounds awful. And then your post credit scene could have been the juggernaut pulling the cable out of his arse as he's being arrested. Anyway, um, so... Don't ever write a Deadpool movie. If I write a Deadpool movie, I'm giving it to fucking Gil Simone. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right. you script it. You seem to have a really good observational, like, sort of look at this character. Well, she's, she's writing Domino for Marvel at the moment. There you go. So. Just, just give us a Zazie Beats movie. Um, I'm glad Kira didn't die. Similarly, I wish we just knew more about what's happened to her so we could kind of understand the betrayal because it unfortunately just came off to me as another, oh, it's a trope of these kind of movies, mm. a double cross. But we got two double crosses. We got a quadruple cross. Yeah, so it's like, oh, that's like 16 wars. 16 crosses. Um, back to Deadpool. So, like, we should have, you know, we, we should have learned maybe a bit, we just should have just in a moment of kind of genuine openness and weakness, told him a little bit about what's happened to her. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. So we could kind of get a sense of... Because you get the idea at the end that she's sort of reluctant to see him go. She doesn't want him to go. She has missed him. But at the same time, like, she obviously is like, no, I need to do this. And I don't... I think they sort of hint, because of what Beckett says, that she was planning to kill... Oh, what's Paul Bettany called again? Voss? Dryden Voss. Voss. She, she was planning to kill Voss all along. I don't think that's true. I think she took her opportunity. I think she saw an opening and took it. Yeah, I don't think she was planning to kill Voss. But then Maul's the kind of interaction with her is almost like, good, you've got it done. So it's like, oh, so she was? Yeah, no. Yeah, so I, I think she was planning to kill Dryden Voss. Eventually? But not in this... Yeah. yeah. But not in this specific instance. This just gave her the opportunity to do what she'd already been wanting to do. Yeah. <clears throat> but again, if we knew a bit more about her and, and her relationship with Voss, there could have been more catharsis in her killing him. Yeah. Like either because we learn that he genuinely has affection for her, maybe she's maybe she is the only person he actually likes. So then the tragedy comes from the fact that she does betray him and we see that one bit of him that it has is a genuine sort of relatable bit of humanity is betrayed. Yeah. Um but we didn't get that. Like he's kept saying that she was the only person he trusted, but that just could be cuz he's trying to intimidate her in that moment. With the idea of like, you know, I trust you, you're the only person I trust, and if you betray me, I don't know what I'd have to do. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay. Um, similarly, it might have been mm. nice to see that she fucking hated him and was playing the long game. Or, she also had kind of an affection for him, but knew that she had to take this step. I think you got a sense that she didn't particularly care for him. Yeah. But I, I think it would have been nice 
to for it to because it was subtext, but I think it would be nice for them to push it just a little further, just so we could get a sense more of the weight of it all. This just um, in: Chris doesn't like subtlety in his movies. No, I love subtlety. More in at eleven. Movies, but I do feel like some things can be. There's more value sometimes in bringing some of the stuff closer to the surface. Yeah, I get you. Um, and, and I think in this instance, her and Voss's relationship and her story for the last three years, it would have been nice to have gotten a bit more. Okay. Um, Lando, I think, was the perfect amount of... We don't really know much about him. All we know is that um, Kira's met him at some point. Mm. They've probably done it. There's kind of a subtle implication. Yeah. He has too many capes. So many capes. So many forget, And that was a genuinely sweet moment where Han just catches her trying on one of Thingy's capes. Yeah. Because from what we hear of what she knows of Lando and stuff, again, implication that maybe mm. they have spent some time together in whatever context, that she's probably since first meeting him been like, oh, what do I look like in one of those capes? That was the one moment, I think, in beyond her introduction in the film. That was the one moment with her in the three years later part of the story mm. Where I was sort of like, oh, there's a bit of what she's like as a person. George like, Lucas guest directed that scene. Did he? Yeah. Wait a minute. The one scene where I emotionally connected he was with Kira was, in our set visit was the day when, when Lucas directed. When they were filming George, the scene with. I'm going to sit at these monitors a mile away and go, just start, kind of sit up here and start yeah. Was directed by Luke. Okay. Then that, again. That was, was great, but faster and more intense. Then again, that was the only scene that felt like it was sort of not so subtly homaging the trilogy. Yeah, because it felt like the Himalaya and Empire stuff. Yeah. Which, I, which, like I said, because we don't know much about what is going on inside her head, it felt a little bit creepy for a yeah, moment. Yeah, a little bit. Until she until she immediately was reciprocating the kiss and you were like, yeah. okay, fair enough. But in that first moment, it was like, Han, yeah. come on, like, Keep your distance. Don't a lot's changed a, here. Don't be a creeper. The fact that when she first saw you, like the day before, she didn't immediately grab you and snog you, kind of implies that maybe she's in a different place in her life. Yeah, like yeah. don't don't do this. Um, cool, bro. But yeah, no, that, that was a nice scene. Good on him. That was yeah. a really well directed scene. Yeah, it was really sweet and evocative. Uh, but anyway, um, and provocative. Ooh, and provocative. Um, but Lando was the right amount. Has... I like the fact we kept a distance from him, and he was kind of just like a. He was just sort of like a, he was almost a comic relief in a way. Like, well, Lando, he wasn't a comedy character, but he was that kind of you know. Has Lando fucked L three? I think Lando has probably fucked L three when drunk. I'm <laughs> not saying that as any wouldn't like do it sober, but the idea that she's got a thing, she seems she clearly has a little thing for him, and she thinks it's her him having a thing for her. No, she just plays it off as that yeah. to sort of reflect yeah. it. Implying that maybe they've been intimate and he's just like, oh, cool. Anyway, that's, oh, you do get the line that's right. how it is. And she's like, oh, she says like, K- stop flirting no, to K- Han. Kira, Kira asks... Sorry, Han. Yeah. <laughs> that's Han, but it's fine. I like how they fucking did that! <laughs> that was great, because it just... It, it, that is one of those things where I'm like, okay, I appreciate you taking the piss out of the later ones, yeah. because in doing that, you've just set up that that's a thing that Lando does. He yeah. just pronounces Han's name. And Han has got to the point now where he's like, I'm not even going to fucking correct him. And also the, the, the weird little call forward of, I hate you. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that was nice. Um, yeah, we well, nice. do get that line with Kira and L3 where Kira's like, how does that even work? And Nelfie's just like, it does. It, it does, yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the actor's name again, please? Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is great. I like her energy. Like I said, I liked her energy and that stuff. Rebellion! I loved that. <laughs> that I loved. I but I'll tell really you cool. what my I'll tell you what my problem with L3 was. What's that? We are two a Star Wars stories in and both of them have featured quirky, sassy robots. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get where you're coming from. I do. So I kind of felt a bit of K2SO recycle. K2S over it. Yeah. 
<laughs> if L3 had appeared like another movie later, I think I'd be more open to it. And no, I, I guess as time I do goes get as time goes by, um, and obviously I'm not watching these films come out in like yearly windows, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably enjoy her a lot more. But as it's, I've seen a lot of people have trouble with her, um, sort of having a kind of slightly jokey SJW take on things. Like she's talking about like rights and and, and equality and, and, and you shouldn't be fighting and all this stuff in a way that's almost meant to be a gag. I don't feel I didn't feel like that because she oh, no, starts no, no, a fucking no. rebellion. Oh no no but yeah. well, no, I mean before the rebellion when it's just yeah. all the stuff before they get to Kessel is almost played off for comedy, which mm. I think I would argue it is. It's played off yeah, for comedy. Like she's trying to interfere with the robot fights because she's like, no, this is wrong. I respect the rights and this and that. And everyone's like, oh, it's meant to be a parody. Of the fact everyone's saying that Disney are doing this from an SJW point of view, and there's a it's like they're parodying the the perception of themselves, but it's also like, but if they were doing that, wouldn't they acknowledge that maybe they were being a bit too fussy? This is regardless of like what I think of, of it all. I mm. think I think Disney are doing the right fucking thing in terms of diversity representation and everything, but you know there are people who really take umbrage with it. So was this meant to be a sort of joke on it? I don't stand the so. beef with that though. No, I don't think so. Like, even if it is a sort of jab at themselves, so what? Like, that means they're aware that people think that some of this is thing. It's more, it's more middle finger to those who are but, like I mean, saying yeah. they're going to boycott a movie because a black guy's the lead. Because ultimately, L 3s uh, push for rights ends up helping them in the end. Because yeah, it becomes it, a character it, thing, it, and it and it it causes this rebellion on Kessel, which is what allows them to escape with in the coaxium. That lends more. Um, that lends more credence. To the idea that she is genuinely in love with Lando as yeah. well, because if she this is how she thinks, why would she stay with him? Yeah, unless she actually kind of uh, kind of does have a thing for it. She holds a bit and of a candle. She holds a candle. And it also for makes, Lando. It also makes the loss of uh, Falcon, the Falcon for Lando, a bit even a bit more tragic because L three is in the ship. L three is in the ship. That was a nice touch. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, she is the ship's computer now. Yeah, that was really good. And it also explains why it is such a sought-after ship, because it's like it's got the best fucking navigational system in the galaxy. Yeah. So that was really cool as well, because it, it means in the later movies, it's this whole thing of, like, impounded, I'm going to take a ship, and all this stuff, and you're like, why? Yeah. It is a piece of junk from the outside. But if people yeah. know about what the ship can do, they're like, oh, that's a pretty... No, that thing is... That thing's a fucking great ship. We should take that. And also, it's a co- it's a, it's foreshadowing 3PO's line in Empire, where he's tried to talk to the ship's computer. It's like, it's got a most unusual dialect. I don't know where it learned to talk. Which in itself is just meant to be a little quirky yeah, a little line, quirky but line, oh my but god, you're it, right! It out a bit. Oh, snap, I didn't realise that. And it also explains why Lando is more than fucking happy to get back into that cockpit. Oh, yeah. At the end of Empire. Because, again, it is that whole thing of, yeah, we're going to find Han, but he's like, I get to feel like young me again for a bit. Because we knew that Han had won the Falcon from Lando in a card game. Yeah. Um... But, like, now there's a bit more to it. I think that's the thing as well. Like, it, these these were the things we were afraid of, but obviously they don't go too far. Which yeah. was, is this just going to be a I checklist? I think they strike a nice balance of yeah. everything. Yeah, which, which ones did you find gratuitous? I found the sting of music when he handed over, when Beckett handed over the blaster gratuitous. I would I, I would prefer, I would prefer, mostly because it was the whole thing of he was stripping down a rifle, and it the, turned into a blaster, and there was like, there you go! I was like... He, I don't care how he got that. That implies he's had the same fucking gun this entire time, and yeah, I always find that. Has. But I always find that really dumb. It's his gun. Of course it's his gun. That's fine. But the fact that it's like, oh, so he's had that same gun this entire time. What the fuck? Like, 
I think I would have found that gratuitous had Chewie got his bowcaster. Oh yeah, yeah. Then I would have been like, oh for fuck's sake! I like, I like, because they're smugglers. Surely along the way they'll go, oh fucking have that. I like Chewie freeing the other Wookies. That was great. And I like. Did you see the elderly fellow that was with them, the humanoid guy? Yeah, yeah. Do you know that was Anthony Daniels? They found a way to keep the cameo going without shoving 3PO into That's it. That's pretty neat. Which I think is quite a nice touch. Because they could have just made him the protocol drive at the, in the car chase at the beginning. Yeah. Or, or even the just like... Or just, or, yeah, or just at the airport had them in a queue, like in the queue, him and yeah. R2. But instead they were like, look, the joke has always been... we those those The droids were in all six movies of the saga and then we've kept the idea going that they will appear in every movie by giving them that Rogue One cameo that made people go, wait, what? Mm. Um... This is how to carry it on without making it gratuitous. And trying to find crazy excuses for 3PO to be out and about. <laughs> Just put Anthony Daniels in the movie. Yeah, because they, so, they so could have done the 3PO and, and R2-D2 at the at, at Coronet port in, on Corellia. You know, I read I read somewhere as well that Warwick Davis's character in this. Which was nice. It was like, yeah. oh, fuck, is Warwick Davis? He's Weasel it's, from Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Yeah. That's a nice touch. That's that's a deep fucking pull. Yeah, I, um, I didn't care much for the idea that this little group with the... the start of the rebellion I don't think they're the start of the rebellion no, I, they're I, just yeah, I, I don't think that's what they were yeah. going for but it, I think it was to do again with the editing the music the, the I, way they tried to make it look was like this is the this is the spark it's not the spark though, that lights the things at, like, at, 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 also at this point um, the rebellion is operating in isolated cells yeah which so is, is just, established in rebels of, this is just one of those cells yeah um, which is being coordinated Rebels follows another one of the cells, and it's all being coordinated by Mon Mothma, uh, Bail Organa, and um, ah- ah- Ahsoka. This is one thing I thought was really weird. Again, it was just an editing choice. Um, when, oh, what the fuck is the name of the baddie? Something Ness. Uh, um, Ness. In, it, it, or something like that. Infinest? Infinest? The the the, the um, yeah yeah the the, yeah. the the leader of this this band oh when she takes her helmet off she takes her helmet off the music swells yeah and you expect and you get the really big close up yeah and in my head I was thinking is that is it someone we know is it like it's supposed to be Beckett's daughter or something or and like... then they don't react and she's like I need a drink they walk over and you're like okay so it's not someone we know I think it's just, oh my god did yeah. they do that because they wanted us to go it's a young girl yeah. Do you did. know what? Yeah, and that, it was weird. But that moment would it was play, weird. But that thought would play out in your head much better if she just took the helmet off and was like, I need a drink. Yeah. Because then you just go... fanfare. Yeah, because then you just go, oh my God, she's a young girl. Yeah. I didn't expect that. Do you know what I mean? Like, they pick it up and you're like, oh, that's not anyone to know. Yeah. Uh, cool like, cool addition. Like, the visual yeah. was nice. The visual of that if, big scary fucking helmet coming off and it just being a young kid. If there had been a gag, really nice. if there had been a line to sort of <laughs> you know, diffuse I'm the tension, I'm thinking of Hook now. I'm, I'm thinking of <laughs> I'm thinking of the moment from Justice League where um, Lex Luthor takes over the Flash <laughs> yeah. and takes his mask off. Well, in at the least mirror. I know the secret identity of the Flash. <laughs> I have no, no idea, idea who this is. <laughs> and like, <laughs> if they'd have done something like that, that would have yeah. that might. But it, without that, it just sort of like the, the dramatic moment that didn't mean anything it yeah. was a bit odd but it was a, it was a niggle it's a niggle so you get packing foam in space yeah uh, and you can heat up something just enough to hide a fucking gun in it and put it in a lid apparently yeah didn't realise that little random tribe there had like PVA glue and a spare lid and some well you just cut a bit out with your with your multi-tool laser thingamabob and then you whack the gun in and you know a little bit of sticky tape space sticky tape space uh, tape I'm trying to think of these space eggs space 
<laughs> There's the, bo- the Bosque shout out was nice. Yeah. The the man who killed Aura Singh. Oh, Aura Singh is is that a video a game? Hunter from the prequels. Right. She's in the Clone Wars. She mentors a young Boba Fett, and she's also you know the pod race scene in yeah, um, Phantom Menace. Yeah, she's in, she's at the pod race. She's like okay. tall bounty hunter with a massive long rifle. Oh, okay, all right, fair dues. Like really obscure pull. I really admire their restraint in not bringing Jabber into the movie. They mention him. He's met. Well, they mention oh, they yeah. mention the the Hutties like clan or whatever. Well, they mention they mention a big time gangster and on then, Tatooine. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, Beckett says like he's, he's there's a job big time gangster on Tatooine. Like that's where I'm going now. Yeah. If you want, if you're done with this, like soon you don't die. Come and catch me up. We'll work together again. This would be great. And then obviously you find out that he's still there. Yeah, you do that. But at the end of the movie, Han's like, well, what do you say, buddy? Like, there's apparently a big time gangster looking to put a team together on Tatooine. Let's go. It's like, fucking hell, how long has he been running from that death? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Which, yeah. which it retroactively makes the scene in in Star Wars uh, no. slash now A New Hope that they put back in seem a bit tame. It's like Jabba. Fucking break his legs! No, <laughs> like, don't don't just have a conversation with him with your boys standing yeah. around. He's been fucking running from you for eight years. Break no, his legs! No, because in a new hope, it's implied that that debt is fairly recent. Oh, okay. because he's, oh, been, working, right, so he's been working he's on been working for Jabba. Because Jabba's like, you're the best. You're the best. Yeah, you're always good for me. So, but you fucked up. So now I've got to get that money back. Well, no, how do you say it? Han, Han, you're the best. Han, you're great. Oh wait, sorry, hang on. I'm just going to get to a place by a CGI uh, thing uh, that yeah. doesn't look very good, no very matter how fucking, much they try to refine it. Very fucking weird. Um, hey, did you did you know right? Did you know that to get around the bit where he walks around him? This is this is great. They uh, they just sort of they make it look like he steps on his tail. <laughs> Ten minutes of the fucking behind the scenes documentary yeah, yeah. on the on the VHS special editions right. to describe that. Yeah. Yeah. And those VHSs open with the documentary showing what they've added. Yeah. What? It's a real dick move. Just include a fourth cassette with another 30 minute thing on and bump the price of the box set. Just up. release the theatrical editions! Fa 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 fuck you. Um, we'll never put them out officially. Right, how long have you got left to record, Cocker? Because we need to do some emails. Uh, I've got a little while for it to go. Get okay. Ready. So, shall right. we email what I'll do, Riaid? What I'll do is I'll dive into any solo stuff we've got first. And then we'll go from there. Right, solo! See, see how many <laughs> we get through. Um, this one's from Captain Bill. That's not a solo one. That's not an email. Oh, we did get a follow-up from Santosh. Remember Santosh? He wanted to tell us about his digital marketing services. Oh, Christ. He yeah. sent us another email, and it says, follow-up mail. What? Uh, follow up mail. Oh god, it really does. Um, from Sanchez saying, Hi, I just want to confirm that, that did you get my last mail or not? Do you have any update with regards to website redesign, pipe, dating app, pipe, digital marketing services? Await your response. Thanks. That's one of the best spam emails we've ever had. But the fact that they sent follow um, ups out. Sorry, follow. Yes. Oops! Yes. Out. That's... The thing yes. is, half the time, that's a real person copying and pasting and sending it out again. Do you know what I mean? Who's being paid pittance to do it. Yes. That's shitty, man. Dude, just, just, <laughs> just fucking get a job, mate. <laughs> get a job. Um, hey, mate, get a job. This is a big one comes in from Josh. Not Josh. Um, no, seriously, not Josh. Um, oh, it is Josh. Alright. It's a long, it's, it's a long email. To the point where, it... <laughs> um, yeah, this is 
You've had to put one. five iPads in a row just to read yeah, it. Yeah, I'm reading it all along. Uh, no, this is a big, this is a big one, and and part starts off with a bit of um, a bit of love for our for our pre hundred episodes. It says, "Listening to your hundredth episode was an absolute joy." Aww. Uh, I remember stumbling upon Chris's YouTube channel and thinking, "Hey, it's that bloke from the telly box." I'll check it out. I think the first video I saw was your Stewie Griffin Sings Friday, and when you started Nineties Ten, I was hooked. Then oh, two, ish, then two ish years ago, two ish years ago, uh, you posted that very first episode with Margot Robbie's face on the thumbnail, staring into me very soul. It was a joy to listen to, even if it was just two nerdy white boys moaning about comic book movies. Oh, how very original. That's exactly what we thought, Josh. Um, <laughs> I've listened to every episode religiously since, only occasionally postponing a spoiler-filled review here or there. And it was a shock when I realised I could catch it earlier on SoundCloud and get my weekly hit even earlier than before. Ooh, you addict. Um, personal highlights for me over the years were your aforementioned reviews, introducing me to ghost stories. Couldn't catch it in the cinema, unfortunately. Uh, listener emails, especially the wonderful map performances of the regulars, looking at you, Tom Monty! And of course, you have a lot of answers about the show and our dear mutual friend, that silly old box. You've made me laugh, cry, bring me up when I was feeling down, and twice now you've given me sleepless nights because I'm flipping dear David! So again, <laughs> congratulations on a now one... Hundred and one episodes. Congratulations to me finally having the confidence to finally email into a podcast. I listened to several, but obviously yours is the favourite. Oh you! Oh Josh, oh, you got that five you. we sent you then. But after all these episodes, I finally managed it, and it's worth it, especially when it result in having one of my low-key idols hear these ill-prepared words. And Matt's pretty cool too, I guess. Um, oh, thank wow, you for informing, savvy. educating, and entertaining me on all things geek. Keep on yonking, Josh. Oh, thanks, uh, Josh. P.S. Oh, if I'm emailing in, I might as well ask something rather than just smothering you with praise. Uh, you don't have to. We we do accept praise smothers. Yeah, um, lotions of praise. Lotion, praise lotion. I prefer to call <laughs> praise it. oils. Um, my fucking tablet keeps changing orientation and, and can't. There we go. I'm just going to read it like this. Um, <laughs> it's likely you've seen Solo by now. So long, farewell. Um, I love many of the cast and have previously thoroughly enjoyed their past roles. Um, from being Seat on the Gameses of the Throneses to Waller Bridges' hilariously and poignantly dark flea bag. Yeah, and the charisma machine that is Donny Glover's work on Community and his work as the Gambino. <laughs> the Gambino. The Gambino, comma, childish. Uh, to Tandy Newton's underrated Run Fat Boy Run. Run Fat Boy Run's alright, actually. She's also fantastic on Westworld. Yes. Which is yeah. which is uh, in season two at the moment. She's in it. Tessa Thompson's in it. The other Hemsworth is in it. <laughs> um, Dylan Moran's the antagonist in Run Fat Boy Run, isn't he? Yes. I, you know, I, don't, I watched yes. it in the cinema, I think, when it came out. Um, I watched it in drama school when I was looking for, for, for scenes to crib from films for my showreel. I ah. took in, I took in f- stuff from fourteen or fifteen different films. Mm-hmm. I needed three. I ended up none of them were used, and I ended up all being little bits in other people's scripts that didn't suit me. So I, had a, I got a shit shoving out of drama school. <laughs> that was lovely. Should you just send? Um, the, you just should have sent out a DVD copy of just like a film you like, and yeah. they'd be like, "Hang on, where are you in this?" You like, I was, I was, I was me. I was fucking, I was. Do you know the, the, the lady on the front there smoking a cigarette? Yeah, yeah, that's me. The bit where she's dancing with John Travolta. That's me. That's me. Simple. That's me. Um, yes, yeah, I, <laughs> I had, I had a lot of fun making those, making those films as a student, but they didn't, they didn't serve me well at all. Um, PPS, I'm, I'm kind of irritated that it's pretty much confirmed that the next anthology film is based on Boba Fett. Boba Fett, where? Oh, um, 
I was hoping it would either be a Yoda prequel set on his home world, which I don't want to be Dagobah, or a Kenobi film. Do it now, Lucasfilm, before Ewan McGregor gets too old. I suppose he's got his final confrontation with more in the Rebels episode, Twinsons. Twinsons. <clears throat> yeah. Which is my favourite Rebels episode that doesn't have that Tom Baker. <laughs> but of course he's film, in the last couple yeah. of seasons, isn't he? But a film surrounding those events are a standalone story of which there are plenty of possible pitches on YouTube. There's some good, like, from the journals of Ben Kenobi stuff in the Star Wars comic as well. Yeah, um, that's, yeah in fact, that's the first um, sideline side arc, isn't there's it? A, there's a Yoda Secret War arc, which has a, like, it's Yoda in the Clone Wars, like, going to a planet where there's, like, a different form of force worship and getting involved with the locals and stuff. It's really neat. Um, okay. But yeah, the older people film, I don't know if we want to see Yoda's homeworld, but yeah, not, not bad ideas. Um, I suppose my question is, are you happy with this news? If you could pitch and make anthology films based on an existing character, but you couldn't pick Yoda, Kenobi, Lando, Salacious Crumb, <laughs> my god, he's <laughs> weirdly popular, um, or a hut, um, <laughs> who, would, who would you like to see? Personally, I want a rogue one ensemble type story set around the mythology of the Darksaber, maybe an anthology TV show. Uh, I also have a pitch for a one-off low-budget thriller that introduces Earth into the Star Wars universe, but I'll leave that for another day. And when we work to the point when it's not fan-wanky and shit. <laughs> um, apologies for now what appears to be the longest, ramblest email I've ever written in my life. Two years of not writing in does that to a boy. Thanks again. Hey, no worries, Josh. We love a, we love a rambly email. Josh uh, was bunged up. Actually, he was bunged up. It's actually not that rambly. It's 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 nice. It's pretty nice good. and coherent and includes um, hilarious takes on names. Yes, I like it. Um... um uh, Mythology of the Darksaber, that's pretty cool. Um, like Mandalorian Wars. I'd like to see some Knights of the Old Republic stuff. Um, I'm not enamoured with that era, but it's something different. Um, and people, there's a fan base for it already. Hmm. Um, some post-Jedi, pre-Force Awakens, New Republic stuff, but obviously not featuring the main leads. Yeah. Um, which can be tricky, because like they're political, well... Lay as a political figure during that time and stuff, uh, but yeah, I think that's what I'd like to see. Um, there's ways to go about it, absolutely. Um, Based on I'd existing like, characters, I'd like though. to see someone take on a pre Phantom Menace story, just to watch a slightly more coherent take on that kind of watered down and safe like premise that those films got like the the first two prequels kind of take place in a world where the Jedi are boring and the world is all shiny yeah. and Coruscant looks lovely and golden and everyone's happy and aren't we having a lovely time and isn't life great and it's like I would like to see something with a bit more colour to it in terms of like the context. Let's see some of the underbelly of that of that kind of world. Yeah, like do you know what? Fuck it. Give us a Gwygon prequel. A Gwygon prequel. A Gwygon story. Give us a Gwygon story. Younger Gwygon, m- like not like it's not thinking in as a film as like you know Gwygon, a Star Wars story. Like what about it's about him and a couple of the Jedi, or whatever. Like younger Jedi's, and just so we can, just so we can get confirmation that the Jedi's weren't these boring fucking people sat in a room on chairs going. This would be good. We shall think upon this further. Now, what's happening today? Oh, would it like because the prequel. I like getting it sets up that the Jedi you know, knights will get peace throughout the galaxy. Thousand, thousand years. And, and, and people are like, oh my god, the Jedi, no, I remember I remember hearing about them as a child. And the setup was like these mythical knights, and then the prequels introduced them as a bunch of boring councilmen yes, and is. security hire 
for yeah. rich fuckers. And like, it's like, this is boring. Yeah. Show us some white. There you go. An Arthurian style. Arthurian. Jedi film set before Phantom Menace. Maybe stick a younger Gwygon in there just so you've got some kind of connection. Give us that, man. Give us Jedi. Yes. Going on adventures and doing shit. That'd be great. Yes. That would be great. I'd, I'd, I'd eat the shit out of that. Um, oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! Oh fuck! What's the Japanese movie called? The one where all the school kids kill each other. The uh, oh god, is it Battle Royale? Yeah, it's like Lord of the Flies, but with swords and Japanese people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Okay, I guess. right. Have um, have a, a a freaking a school of Padawans have like a class of Padawans or whatever get stranded on a thing like, and they have to get out of there. Not don't don't just do Lord of the Flies in Star Wars universe, but like. Do you know what I mean? Have it be that. Have it be like these five or six younger Jedi are stranded somewhere and they've got to get out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that we have team protagonists. Do that. Yeah. That'd be great. I'd watch I think, the shit out of so that. So some of the... Showcase some of your interesting creature designs and introduce yeah. a couple of new villainous aspects and show us that the Jedi were more like knights rather well, that's than... A, I think that's why you have to go back to Knights of the Old Republic era. Go further back? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I like to see. Show, show space knights. There aren't any existing characters that that spring to mind that I'd really like to see a spin-off. Plo Koon. Plo Koon. <laughs> Sand Dune. Um, Plo Plo Koon. Sand Dune. Ooh wee. Um, Ooh wee. The Max. The Max Rebo Band. <gasps> oh God, yeah. I'd watch that. <laughs> it's Blues Brothers I with the Max with... Rebo Band. I would watch that with no sense of irony. Um, Give a film to the two club singers in Solo. The oh. lady with the breathing apparatus. There's a fucking, green dude. It's like a visual dictionary which which I saw like a scan from uh, on Twitter of that the green dude in the, in the head apparently had like he's like oh he was, he's a he's a galaxy renowned singer and even had a, a movie career when he was wearing a dashing humanoid exosuit. Oh <laughs> like, god, that's amazing! I want to see that film. That would be cool. Oh, um, I love the fact. Yeah. That, I love the fact that they still do that shit. Yeah. They still expand those the club singers for are five really seconds. Cool. You see these characters for five seconds and they write a law for them yeah. because they know one day they're probably gonna have to print it on the back of an action figure box. Yeah. So um, go for it. So yeah, um, I <laughs> um, prune face. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Very good. Wrong thing. Um, uh, right, so we got two from um, Jacob, which I'm going to read because he, he just missed our 100 episode and then he uh, also got introduced about Solo. So um, first one is, hello. He's, he's writing Solo. Yeah. Uh, hello, big damn cockers. Happy Jason 100 episodes. Oh, shit, <clears throat> that was last week. Oh. Tit biscuits. I did write an email, but I forgot to click send. What a fool I am. <laughs> but seriously, happy 100 episodes. By far my favourite episode. I can't remember which episode it was. I think it was somewhere in the 50s, but I remember listening to it and scaring an elderly woman while walking home because I just burst out laughing. <laughs> Should have taken a bigger breath for that. Um... <laughs> my favourite episode is by far the class dissection. Also, the Pokemon Go rant... Also, Mr. Guy Lambert's Santa Claus appearance. <laughs> you truly have started to create whole unitards around your podcast. That makes no sense, but who cares? Here's to another 100 or 99 at this point. Lots of a big damn love, a Jacob. Oh, Jacob. Um, which then continues into... Hello! Good evening, big damn cockers! Um, My God. This email will contain spoilers for that Star Wars thing that's currently in the cinema. That's your announcement. I really enjoyed the movie. This I really enjoyed this movie. I think I went into this. I went into this movie with relatively low expectations and came out having really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed. 
I really enjoyed Alden Ehrenreich's solo. He has a big growth throughout the movie. Should probably get that lanced off. Um, oh. hey. And by the end, he really feels like the Han we know and love. The Han we know and love. Uh, Danny Glover's land. Danny Glover's land. Danny Glover's Lando. That is a different... Donald Glover's Lando. He's too old for um, this shit. It's interesting. I really <laughs> He's don't... He's too old for this shit. I really don't know how I feel about him. I'm really lost for words, which rarely ever happens. My loss for words is a bad, isn't a bad thing, but it isn't a good thing either. One thing I did like was the Darth Maul cameo with his robot legs and his cool voice. I did enjoy the fan wankiness of that scene. I don't really have anything else to say about Solo, except it's a mediocre addition to the Star Wars Unitard. You know what, you know what I really did like about Lando? Mm-hmm. The way that he's he's making uh, dramatic audio diaries of his own adventures. That was great. <laughs> that was so cool. That was fucking great. The Galaxy Chronicles, Volume Five. Well, one day he's in charge of an yeah. entire freaking city, so he's got to obviously become prolific enough that those people are like, "Yeah, you should totally look after us." And also, everything you've heard about me is true. So he's just it's funny, so all I've heard about you, slick. I've heard in the last thirty seconds from this lady who's basically implying that she's probably slept with you at some point. That's kind of it, really. Everything you've heard about him is true. You're handsome and you wear a cape. <laughs> too many, too many capes. The man, a man has too many capes. You know the outfit he was wearing in the last scene, the Hawaiian shirt sort of get up. That was it. Was weird because I was looking at. It, I turned to Luna and went, "That ensemble is horrific," and yet. He's pulling it off. You know why? So well. Because he's Lando Carizian. He's fucking Lando Carizian. Um, I've been listening recently to the commentaries on the Doctor Who series 2 to 4 DVDs for the first time, which are great. Mm. Which is your favourite Doctor Who commentary from those DVDs? You know, I don't really watch a lot of commentaries on TV stuff. I only really watch commentaries on, on, on movies that I have a particular interest in the production of. Yeah, like, like, um, I, like I bought the American Blu-ray of Avengers because the it was the only yeah. way to get the commentary um, at that point. I wanted to hear but the commentary I, for that film. I could go back to that. I could I could give him a listen. I, but I don't, I don't listen to a lot of, of I don't, TV stuff. I don't believe it's TV. every episode. It might have been for the first four series, the Russell era. I know the Moffat era, it's sort of like two or three episodes in each box set have a commentary. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to cheat a bit. My favourite one of those commentaries from those years was recorded during the specials, the series four slash the specials production. Yeah. But it isn't on the classic DVDs. It's on the Five Doctors special edition. It's an Easter egg. And it's an audio commentary with uh, Phil Collinson and uh, David Tennant. And knowing that it was recorded around the time that they knew that they were wrapping up, you can hear stuff in what they're saying that yeah, makes no sense at yeah. the time. But also it's just interesting to hear, like, you know, one of the exec producers of the of the revamp of the show and arguably the modern show's biggest star fan wank over the five doctors. Like they love it. And it's it's just an Easter egg on the disc. That's awesome. Um Didn't they do picture in picture commentaries for those early revivals? Some of them well. not on the DVDs. I think it was on iPlayer. Yeah, because they used to do it on iPlayer, yeah, do you remember? Yeah. You could you could rewatch it on iPlayer with the commentary as an option. And it would it would be in Picture the corner of the screen. Stuff, yeah. yeah. Oh god, that was weird. And then they stopped doing it in the Moffat era. It was like, oh. Right, the okay. rest of these are fairly brief, so we might be able to blow through these. How long you got? Uh, I'll give you another five ten minutes. All right, we'll do a couple. Before um, I take my pants if, off yeah, if we don't if we don't get to them this this week, then we'll, we'll knit to them next week. We'll try. Um, I've got work basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one comes in from George uh, with the title. Yeah, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. Where's another prick? Uh, <laughs> Love it. Uh, greetings, Burger Diamond Conversations. 
Uh, wow. I thought I'd give have, you... we, have we become the VFD of podcasts? <laughs> so. um, I thought I'd give you a short email this week after my appallingly <laughs> long one last week. Ooh, madam. So in favour of keeping it short and sweet this week, all I'd simply like to know is, what do you think of the news of Danny Boyle directing the next Bond movie? Sure, why not? Yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those where when they finally announced it, it was like, wait, this hasn't already happened? Yeah. Like, it feels like this should have already happened. Um, I'm more amazed that it's going to be yet again like another fucking like five odd years between yeah. Bond films. Like, and Daniel Craig going, oh, all right, I'll do another one. I think this is probably the thing that made him go, go on, man. Danny Boyle, yeah, 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 because it's yeah. not the money. It's not the money. The money's not been a thing. He's turned down like contract after yeah, contract yeah. for these movies. It's, it's, it's not the money. It's not about money for him. He's it's got not that money. He do, it's not that he. It's not that he doesn't want money. It's that that isn't what interests yeah. him. He wants to know he's making something worthwhile. And if they turn around to me and said, look, it's your last one, Sam's not coming back for this, but we've got Danny Boyle, then he'd be like, well, I've always wanted to fucking make a film with Danny Boyle, let's do it. Do you know what I mean? It's just mm. like, well, there you go. Um, that would be the thing that would win him over. It's just weird because it means that when you watch, specifically Daniel Craig, if you watch his like five films after this one back to back, he ages <laughs> like, considerably. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, like oh, it looks more and this more. This is really weird. More and more like a potato ready for the boiling pan. Um, and what is your favourite Danny Boyle movie? My personal favourite, Shallow Grave. <gasps> That's mine. Sorry, uh, I was, I was, I was going to chime in, but then you reminded me that was a Danny Boyle movie. Shallow Grave's my favourite. Everyone's going to scream down, down, down the, the ears of the ears of their um, <laughs> ears of their player when I say what my favourite Danny Boyle movie is. Sunshine. Fair enough. I got a beef for that. I think it's fucking great. That's the one with the Killian Murphy, right? That's the that's the space one with Killian yeah. Murphy and the astronauts trying to reunite the sun. Yeah. And uh, Chris Evans and who else? Some other cunts. Some other c- <laughs> starring it's, some cunts. <laughs> it's really good. It's a it's a really really good sort of tense um, sort of sci-fi, but not like fantasy sci-fi thriller. Give it a watch. Sorry, I was just checking that I had Shallow Grave on DVD. I do. And it, like Trainspotting, is in that, like, film for widescreen, like, white spine, red borderline package and thing. Oh, one of them cunts. Um, have, you, have you seen Shallow Grave? No, I've never seen Shallow Grave. You, are you aware of Shallow Grave? Yes. Baby Eccleston and Baby yeah, McGregor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I remember the, it's seeing posters for it when it came out. It's yeah. worth a watch. It is worth yeah. a watch. Um, this one comes in from Luke. Um... Uh, hey, as mentioned before, here was the video my friend is obsessed with. I uh, literally have no idea why. It even got up to the point that when I was directing him in my short film, we would reference it before we shoot. Up to 17 seconds here. Also, I've just been accepted to press a pass for a Birmingham Film and Comic Con do next week. I'll tell you who I managed to interview. Please do. Oh my god. <laughs> um, good work, man. Um, like, genuinely good work. Oh, press, no. press passes can be a bit of a nuisance to get hold of uh, some places. So that is some good work, man. It's Chris oh, this one, yes. So, so what's the bit? His mate's obsessed with. Seventeen seconds in, did he say? Yeah. This, this first okay. seventeen seconds of the video. All oh, right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I recall that. So, hang on. So, your mate's obsessed with the intro that we recorded. Yeah, yeah. He said that. Okay. I mean, he still needs help. Yeah. That's. He still needs medical help. Well, he anyone, needs professional hair. Anyone who's, anyone who's obsessed with what... With I just, what um, did I just sing some lines from um, Crazy Chick from Charlotte Church's brief foray into uh, pop music? 
Yes. Um, right, let's get this last one You're out of the way. We're going to make this the last one. We have got one more, but it's... Um, you you make me this is from Harry. Son of a Draper. Shut up! Why do I remember that? Why the fuck do I remember Charlotte I'm just going to ignore Chris and talk over him. Um, um, happy 100th episode, <laughs> big damn cast, you scamps. What's that? I'm late. Ah, oh, damn, they won't need the martinis and chilled campan then. Champagne, I know how I know how it's said. And um, all the crumpets are, oh, madam, too scandalous to say. Right, gotcha. Fashion be late as ever. We're wearing Spider-Man onesie. Ahem. Anyway, well done, lads. Thanks for sticking around. You're the one last. You're one of the last threads of sanity in a very unraveled scarf of reality. We're considered sane? Speaking of sanity, oh, this uh, might be cheeky of me, but I'll take the plunge and bite the bullet and whatnot. You may have discussed this already. Of a sort. But just in case... Have you heard Big Finish's announcement that they will be producing class audios featuring Sophie Aldred as Ace and the Daleks? Yes. Yeah. I uh, know. You may have listened to the opening of this podcast and realised that we have this news. I think having to weave Ace into the narrative of this new box set is in itself indicative of the show's lack of a strong tie into Doctor Who. But I'm actually more wary of featuring the Daleks. I love big finish i love the daleks but i'm fatigued the pepper pots are too dominant in their releases at the moment i'm revisiting the eighth doctor and lucy miller series in the early big finish catalogue because mm. i'm finding the new series license releases to be very oversaturated it's like being given a great big box of chocolates but i'm all stuffed like a tea cake and to quote oh. the great gump <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get at this point is the problem with me? Am I just being a stick in the mud, stuck in the mud, refusing to keep up with the times, wanting to remain entrenched in the past, or do I have a point? Preempting an existential crisis, is there a point to any of this, to anything of life at all anymore, or to begin with? Um. No. Don't take class to heart. It'll get better. It, it's 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 not you. It's not you. The Daleks are overused, which Ooh. is not a sentence I thought I'd ever say in mm. relation to Doctor Who. But let's face it, this is what you, you got this thing with Star Wars as well when they had their old Legend expanded universe, and it's starting to happen with the new expanded universe. There's just so much stuff, yeah, that to get people interested in it, you have to keep returning to the familiar. And I think that's what's turned me off about Big Finish in a big bad way. Like, just the sheer amount of stuff in it. I think as, um, a, as a business model for themselves, it's definitely obviously something that works and it keeps a lot of actors, writers, uh, directors, editors employed. Yeah. And that's great. And but, that is good. That is good. And there's certainly an audience for it. But it's the same actors and the same writers... So it all sounds the same. Yeah. Um, I think the best thing Big Finish could do, really, is in terms of their Doctor Who releases, or Doctor Who related releases, so better, you know, Bernie Summerfield, not so much Jago and Lightfoot, because I believe that's coming to an end now for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, although that's not stopped them before from carrying on stuff. Well. Um, Doctor Who should be limited to one release a month. They should have 12 releases of a Doctor Who related product a month. That's how it was originally, wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, like they can still do their other stuff, Dark Shadows, Prisoner, and all that sort of stuff. But but they need to, they need to make it just like right, 
January, you're getting a brand new box set. So that way, that's how you make your money. You do the Moles box sets. A brand new box set of Fifth Doctor Adventures. Here's four Fifth Doctor Adventures. Brand new one. There you yeah. go. February, here's a brand new Beneath Summerfield box set. You know, March, here's a brand new Doctor Who Unbound or something like that. Uh, you know, um, April, six Doctor. Do you know what I mean? Throughout the year, just scatter stuff. Scatter it. Yeah. Um, because as it stands now, it's like, we've got a 10th Doctor box set, and now we've got a friggin' uh, 9th Doctor Chronicles, and now Jake Dubman is playing the 11th Doctor and an 11th Doctor uh, like Companion Chronicle Adventures, and we've got uh, the new uh, Companion Chronicles for the first I Doctor, have... and the River Song box at 7, I've gone Jane on Lightfoot box at 17, and it's just like, oh! Even if you enjoy all of that stuff, they are asking so much of you to keep up with it financially. Yeah. Like, because I think I think a membership to the website grants you a certain amount of things I'm a month, sure. slash like a a, a a a discount on, you know, other things. Honestly, I really haven't been, <clears throat> I really haven't been following Big Finish stuff for about fifteen years at this point. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, it used to feel like a treat. Like, I the only series I followed was I followed the first two series of the Eighth Doctor and Lucy Miller. Yeah, and that was great. I just every I'd listen to one, I'd love it. And then I'd go and have a look out for the next one next time I was in Planet. Oh, look, there it is. four ninety nine. Great. Bought Audio Adventure. Love it. Fantastic. Um, and they need to be cheaper. Yeah. They need to be cheaper because I think people, like, it's almost like you're enjoying them that much, but even now you're asking us, should I really be putting up, like, with these? Should I be following it? What's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. There's a small voice in the back of your head going... This is expensive. Yeah, is it worth my time? This is too much. So if they if like if they did a box set a month, twelve box sets a year, even yeah. if they were forty quid a box set, that's more manageable. Forty quid for four audio dramas that are fresh that month, and that's how much they cost on release, and it's a lovely box, and you get four you know CDs in the box. Great, fair enough. Yes, it's an expensive hobby, but if that's your if that's your drug, if that's your poison, one yeah. of those every month, brilliant. And you know it's an audio adventure that you can listen to again and again. It's just oversaturation. I mean, for Christ's sake, Derek Jacobi's now played the War Master in like five different box sets. Yeah. Why? Why because... is this a thing? Because actors, actors, and you know, I've, I've you know, full disclosure, like I've done a couple of big finishes, and it's lovely to work on. It's a great environment. It's I imagine a lot it of fun. is. Yeah, yeah. And and obviously for the actors, like you know, like your Lala Wards, your Lisa Bowmans, Nick Briggs, and and all these guys, it's like, oh, I know that for two weeks of the month or whatever. I'm gonna go to the studio, have a lovely time with mates, sure. like make some audios that I'm really, I really believe in, and I enjoy doing. That's great as an actor. That's wonderful. The idea of continuously telling stories like yeah. every other week, that's fantastic. But just you are going around in circles when it is the same. No, no, not so much the same actors is a problem as well, but like the same writers is a big problem too. And that's not to take a dump on the guys who write for them. No, absolutely not. But you're not gonna feel, you're not gonna get fresh voices if everyone's doing. Everyone's doing everything. You're not going to fr- get fresh voices if Nick Briggs is writing, directing, starring, Catering, writing the theme tune, singing the theme tune. Cleaning. <laughs> fluffing. <laughs> Best boy in. Wiping um, up the stains, you know. That being said, if they'd like to hire us for Jago and Lightfoot, the prequel, we'll, oh, uh, we'll happily, let's... we'll happily grow our facial hair for a for a one-off photo that will then be um, the photoshopped yeah. into a thousand covers for all of the covers, all of the covers. Let's um, retire. Let's not. Oh, let's just not. Let's just not. Um, <laughs> let's just not do that. Uh, we'll be back. Will we? 
next week. Thank you for Enjoy. listening, everyone. Yep. Um, as always, get in touch with us at Big Damn Cast on Twitter, Big Damn Contact at gmail.com on the old email. Send us your thoughts about Solo, a Star Wars story. Is Jurassic World out next week? Jurassic World's out on the 6th of June, so uh, oh, yeah, damn, so pretty damn soon. Yeah, next week, during the week. We might miss the deadline well, I think we'll miss it. it. I think we'll miss it, yeah. So t- do you know what, then? I announce it here and now. Next week, let's do a Jurassic Park slash World episode. I'll watch Jurassic Park again. I will happily watch Jurassic Park again, and then I'll I will semi-reluctantly watch Lost World again. And I will get drunk and watch Jurassic Park 3 again. Once, And then I'll watch Jurassic World while doing the ironing. Once I get the internet up and running at my new place, I'll, I'll marathon them while I'm unpacking. Let's talk Jurassic Park next let's week. Let's talk Jurassic Park. Let's fucking, let's fucking do it. Matt, let's fucking do it. That means we're going to have two thumbnails in a row with a dinosaur in it. And that ain't no bad thing. Rawr. Ladies and gents. <laughs> BigDubContact at gmail.com. BigDubCast on Twitter. Twitch.tv slash BigDubStream. We'll see you later. <laughs> Rawr. Oh, T-Rex.